Sometimes with Terry, we have a cold opening, and then he says something that I can blend into the music. Uh, are you going to do something like that today? I'll take that as a no. <laughs> if only people could... <laughs> Many people could see you frantically shaking your head. No, I'm not. Fuck it. Welcome to the New Age Boxing Podcast with me, Andy White, and with me today, the one and only, Stop. Mr. Martin Theobald. How we doing? This is probably the first time we've done a podcast in, what, a month? We did it after the Elton John concert. What's that, about three weeks ago? Yeah, but Terry, like, like we keep uh, missing one another. So he's he's away at a christening, I think, or something like that. I'm not here next week. Oh, really? Yeah, the missus has got a spa day thing, so... I'm uh, I'm tied up with the kids all Sunday, so uh, I won't be doing it then. She, wait a minute, before Claire goes around a spa weekend, she ties you and the children up and then leaves. It'd be a lot easier that way because <laughs> I spend all weekend chasing after them. So tying them up and me is probably preferable. I have uh, there's I don't really have any reasonable excuses to not do a podcast for the next best part of a month. So I'm going to be here every every Sunday. It you might be on your own because there's, yeah. there's nothing going on in boxing. To at be the fair, moment. I mean we're not far off the summer break, quote unquote. Yeah, well, I like the fact Hearn's brought that forward by cancelling last night's show in Manchester. Yeah, um, it's important that he makes the summer count. He wants he doesn't want to burn people out. He does, he does. Um, so yeah, I was debating. I think we ought to um, take that matchroom approach and just cancel shows at late notice. So I'm going to do that henceforth. But I'm giving you all notice. One week's notice. I won't be here next week. Doesn't feel like in the spirit of things, to be fair. No. Don't tell us now. Tell us next week. All right, fair one. I'll tell you next week when I'm not here. Ah, okay. How's Love Island? Uh, Love Island's getting tasty. Is it? Love Island's getting very tasty. Is it? Yeah. Have Curtis and Tommy got together yet? Uh, I think that is on the cards, if I'm honest. Nice. Nice. Tommy's boxing smart. He's making everyone think that he's really interested in Molly May, but he wants, you can see in his eyes. Curtis is boxing Curtis. smart, making everyone think he's interested in women. Yeah. Uh, and and eventually, know, I suspect. Eventually, it'll happen. It will connect. The dots will connect. The men will connect. Two <laughs> become one, et cetera, et cetera. I don't think that's for Tommy, though, if I'm perfectly honest. I don't think, I no. think he's about that life. Are you getting that in now so he doesn't hunt you down? Yeah, yeah. He's <laughs> not a man I want on my doorstep. <laughs> Curtis can turn up and salsa dance on my doorstep all he likes, but yeah, <laughs> I'm not up for Tommy Fury coming and smashing me in. Uh, right, so, because we don't have a great deal to talk about, you put up a post. Stupid, wasn't it? Absolutely yeah. stupid. Feast and famine, really. Yeah. yeah. Well, I thought if, if you and I turn up and don't have any questions, we'll be out of here in like 10 minutes. Yeah. Which is preferable to some people, but. Yeah. yeah if we're going to record, we ought to try and do more than 10 minutes. But we want it, we want the podcast to be, you know, a bit longer than a 
any other business section, Terry Chapandama. Yeah, it needs to be slightly longer than a wank. <laughs> right, and that's the <laughs> end of this week's podcast. So, also, just a bit of housekeeping. I have missed out about three or four, uh, sorry, two or three questions over the last few weeks where if they don't come to me on Twitter and I don't bring off Twitter, especially if they're sent to me, like uh, I think one of them was sent to me on a Monday afternoon or something. I don't do a Monday afternoon. On Facebook Messenger. I'm never, ever going to remember that the following Sunday. And also there are probably, there will be some that we've missed today because there were so many that came through that, Frankly, I'm pretty confident we haven't got them all. Yeah. So, so apologies in advance. If we miss yours out or today... Or if you're Terry Chapandama and you've sent in 20 via Twitter, yeah. of which some of them you fucking know we're not going to touch, you can have them when you're back next week yourself. Which you won't. Um, so <laughs> this, is, this is how it's going to be. I'm going to try and get all the questions done. Apologies if I miss yours out. Uh, I did have... One guy who said to me, "Oh, I thought you just didn't like my questions, so I didn't." No, I don't. I don't. Literally, I don't care about any questions. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I don't like any of your questions. I will, no, I will pick. That's them what apart. you basically I will just pick, said. I will pick them apart grammatically sometimes, but I have no preference either way for questions. You know, other than they fill up, they fill up episodes when we got nothing. I else. don't judge them, is what I'm saying, apart from grammatically. So, on that, I'll get as many done as I can this week. And then that's the slate cleaned. I'm not bringing any any back, but I'm doing this now. So any that we missed this week are dead. Tough. Dead. If you want them, they're denting. You'll have to. You'll have to put them forward again. Um, or don't. So you'll you might notice which questions that I have for you, which are a bit out of date. But I'm going to ask them anyway. Will Joe Frazier beat <laughs> Rumble in the Jungle? What kind of name is that? No one will ever remember that. <laughs> Pay-per-view for Lennox Lewis. Unbelievable. <laughs> uh, question for the pod from Danny Watley. Shout out, Danny Watley. Good man. With Fury replicating the Apollo Creed exhibition entrance and the fight itself, was this nothing more than the exhibition it has turned out to be? Non-competitive, meaningless, or are we to take it that people on social media have Fury as the best thing since sliced bread? What did you think of it? You watched it, didn't you? Yeah, I. I this is going back to Fury Schwartz a few weeks yeah, back. I um, I thought it's difficult because I realised that when you're looking at, obviously you're looking here at Fury, especially retrospectively, and you're looking at him versus an opponent who is mediocre at best. Um, and let's also call the bullshit that comes with that because Fury did that interview yeah. saying he's the second best in the world, Tom Schwartz. He was pulling up the WBO Ranking, rankings yeah. to prove, like, fuck about. I'm not having that. We all know he isn't. We all know governing bodies are in places absolutely terrible. And so to cite the WBO rankings and justify Tom Schwartz based on that, in the bin. Yeah. Sorry, carry on. I love the fact that he's using the rankings of a boxing organisation, despite the fact that his only claim to any sort of title is one that he hopes that that hinges on the fact that but people know they're boxing enough to know that it means something. Mm. You know, four defences of his lineal heavyweight title, which means it means in actual tangible 
things nothing. It only means something. What does that mean? Well, because I know about boxing, it means this, this, and this. No one can question the Lineal Boxing Association, <laughs> can they? <laughs> lineal Boxing Association ain't taking sanctioning bizarre fees. how he then leans on a belt that is actually held by Andy Ruiz. But uh, yeah, you're willing to cite the rankings of the WBO who, frankly, have a very, very good relationship with both Frank Warren and Bob Arum. And so the fact that they've whatever gerrymandered some bloke into a position that he should never have been and we all know he should never have been to bring that up is embarrassing in an interview um right so you can attach a million and one caveats to this but you can only if you say that the opponent was the point i'm making if you say the opponent was garbage then you could look at it and go what's the point of taking you could say there's no i can't take anything from that because he was terrible but that's not the way i'm going to approach it so, that being said... You're a fury dick rider. I, <laughs> I thought he looked a lot sharper than I've seen him in the past. I thought that the way that he danced around those wild swings from Schwartz, albeit they were, they were pretty wild, and you, uh, a fighter of Fury's experience, you'd expect to be able to know where they sort of were coming from as they were telegraphed fully, fully through him. Having said that, he moves really well for a heavyweight, uh, for, a, for a big man. Yeah, I mean... I wouldn't necessarily call myself a Fury Dick rider, but yes, you are. Um, I I really rate the guy, and I think he's getting better. And I'm not convinced with the whole. I think he's got away with getting ballooning up and slimming down. Now, I'm not saying I'm not suggesting he could do it a million times, but I think he's got away with it. And I think the weight at the time was blown out of proportion because it was it, what was he twenty five stone something like that. Sounds crazy, but he's a he's a big man that sits at a heavyweight anyway. So proportionally, I don't know. I haven't done the maths on it, but he may have ballooned up to the same weight that Ricky Hatton used to balloon up to. I don't know proportionally because I don't know. But yeah, maybe he, he's yeah he, ratio wise. Yes. So I, I don't. I don't, all I know. All I think is that he's got away of that. It hasn't taken anything away from him, and um, getting himself in the groove mentally and going through the training camps and whatnot, I think has has done him has done him good. And I, I'm looking forward to watching him fight Wilder because I think it'll be and I think he'll he'll hand himself a lot better. So I, I It was total bollocks. He had a harder fight in his eighth professional fight against John McDermott when he arguably lost on points against John McDermott in his eighth professional fight. He had harder spars before he turned professional than that fucking Schwartz fight. It was a total farce. Should never, ever, ever have been sanctioned. Justifying Schwartz as number two in the world was a fucking joke. The fact that it was on pay-per-view is laughable. And they only they only got away with that yeah. because they gave us Warrington Galahad during the evening at like peak time for free on BT. Every single thing about it was a, a joke. And you don't think he's benefited from it at all? How can you? What would he benefit from out of that? Uh, a camp? But it's wasted yeah. a camp. Like yeah, how, but- how many miles can you put on a car? There's a limited amount before the engine's going to go. Before Like... Tyson Fury's a big man. Like to put him through all that training camp, you've only got a limited number of training camps you can put a body through. And at this stage, that is his twenty-eighth fight of his career. At this stage, when you should, you know, all that he's achieved is fantastic and brilliant, and I cannot wait to see the Wilder fight. That fight for his twenty-eighth fight of his career was a total waste. Okay, so I guess yes, it was definitely a farce as a pay-per-view. 
I don't think anyone would argue that. Um, the fight itself, I just feel like with Fury at the moment, if you, he needs to get himself back into that untouchable arrogance mode in his in his head. I I feel so having maybe having that draw against Wilder, going straight back into another Wilder fight. I don't know if you maybe maybe didn't feel untouchable enough. I don't know, but maybe this was a good um, a good way for him to. What I feel like I'm doing now is a, being an apologist for the fact that it for for what is and what we all know really is a business decision. Unpopular this like viewpoint, but I don't think he ever lost that untouchable arrogance ever. You don't. <laughs> I don't. Okay. Ever. So. Do you buy that he's ever been, I'm going to choose the words carefully here, vulnerable? What's the next question? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't have the next question lined up at the moment. But, okay, so do you think, as I pull up the next question, do you think the Wilder Fury fight, the next fight, is uh, their second fight rather, is going to be better for the both of them not fighting each other immediately afterwards. Better or worse, or whatever. Wilder's going away and taking the Ortiz fight, and then, so they've said, is going to take the Fury fight. Fury has gained nothing from that Schwartz fight. It's in a, you know, a venue in Vegas that was, you know, it sold a couple of thousand tickets, apparently. It's not like it's created this ma- like mega um, PR stunt for him over in America. It might have got him some good headlines out there, but people didn't turn up to buy it. Like, it's not increased his commercial value to any great point. Just get on and have the Wilder fight, Okay, man. Well, let I'm... me ask you this then. What, at his stage of his career now, and his age, who could he have thought that would have actually taught him anything? Deontay Wilder. Learned anything? Deontay Wilder. So, all he's got is Wilder, Joshua... We can chuck Ruiz in there now. We can chuck White in there. Whatever. But not Tom Schwartz. Not Germany's sixth best heavyweight. <laughs> not in his 28th fight. There's no point. Did you not think he looked good in the ring? <laughs> or is it only... It's like judging me versus my 10-year-old son. If I went and pounded you, him around... You look good against him. I would look fantastic. You do look good. I've seen you. <laughs> Pooing over the fence when you've got him in the ring. <laughs> Get a proper placement in the garden. Exactly. Like, that's what we're talking about here. Okay. Nah, not it. It's a mess. Okay. Right, so that is that is one of the um, historic questions that I missed out. Historic. These questions are going to be disjointed all over the place. I'll probably come back to them. I'm not going to lie. I haven't sat here and sorted all the questions Some out. will be duplicates. There are a few. Yeah, so... Whatever. If you've if you've accent if you've asked a question that somebody else has asked and you get asked question uh, second and you your question gets asked second, expect to have it your answer summarised. Um, the chief asks. <clears throat> not sure if this is a hundred percent correct, but I think Luke Campbell has only headlined a UK show once in his career. How can you go from being almost exclusively buried on undercards to headlining a PPV? My immediate answer was would be. Uh, would be since when has PPV been sort of like or pay-per-view been been only reserved for the absolute sort of like peaks of the sport they just seem to dish them out to anyone now so but anyway that being said what's your answer what, what was, I don't want to be pedantic about it but I'm going to be um, 
And it's in about the chief because he asked some, like, he's a very, very, very well-educated boxing fan. His stuff on Twitter is fantastic. Um, but go back to what the question was. Was it about headlining? Uh, just so you know, aware as right, he's also an Arsenal fan. So. Uh, fuck him. Yeah, unfortunately. But anyway, you know, there's, there's some salvageable things about him. him. He's a good, educated fuck boxing fan. No, I'm not having it now. <laughs> he talks Sorry. shit on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> How can you go from being almost exclusively buried on undercards to headlining a pay-per-view? Is that um, he said about headlining a show. I think he's headlined two. It was two. someone else that pulled it up on... No, no, no. Because I think they've missed another one. Because they said about him headlining on his debut and then that was down as like a novelty act kind of thing. Because he headlined against Tommy, Co- uh, Tommy Coyle up in Hull. But I'm fairly oh. sure he headlined against Jorge Linares as well out in America um, when he fought for the world title. That would make sense. Not that that legitimises it any more as a pay-per-view, but you're, you're not paying for Luke Campbell in the pay-per-view aspect here, are you? You're paying for Vasil Lomachenko. In the same way that when Kel Brook fought um, Triple G, you were paying to see Golovkin at peak British time on TV. What will be interesting, Hearn did the interview the other day, and I don't know, Andy, you've probably not seen this, but he, you definitely won't have seen this. Um... But he was talking about fight nights not being good enough. Um, this was ironically just before he cancelled a fight night. Okay. So nice. he was talking about his Saturday fight night product not being good enough and the change of matchroom strategy that they're going to implement for like the second half of this year, which is to consolidate the, um, the number of fight night shows and make them stronger, make them better, essentially and talked about taking away some of the pay-per-view aspects and making bigger fight night shows. Hearn has only done, I think, six shows, seven shows this year in the UK um, of fight night ones. And that might include Next Gen, not sure. Um, And we're into July. So how can you talk about consolidating a product that isn't there? Like... To give us a product once a month and then talk about consolidating that and bringing it in. Yeah. Like, you can't do that. You've got a big enough stable. Just be better. Just create better fights. You've got a good stable of fighters, but you, you're not using them. You're, well, you are, but you're using them in America or you're using them on undercard pay-per-views. Just, <laughs> he, he talked about, like, and he did mention when he said about this, then the Lomachenko-Campbell fight as being one. He kind of dropped it into the sentence at the end, and there was another one that stood out. Um, but I can't remember what it was. So it'll be interesting to see if he rolls it as a pay-per-view or as a one of these consolidated fight nights. Um, and if he did that as a fight night, and he just put that as a headline act and then put some rubbish underneath it, no one's going to complain about that. We'll be we'll be fine with that. If you gave us Campbell versus Lomachenko for free, in air quotes, because we're still paying for Sky. Yeah. But people would be cool with that. Ignore the undercard. Some people will whinge about it, whatever. But if he could do that, fine. And that's basically what he said he was looking to do. But if he doesn't, he deserves to be called out upon it. If by the end of 2019, fight nights are still as terrible as they've been through the first half of 2019, then he's lied. Right, let me ask you this. Boxing ends tomorrow and they pull four new promoters out of thin air and they split the stables up. Curiously enough, similar to what we have now. That's pointless. Um, Yeah, I know. But when they start putting their shows on, the question I have is, what is the 
what is the best amount? What do you think is an optimum amount of shows per year that a promoter should be aiming? A TV promoter with a big platform. Yes. This new guy. Betty Churn. <laughs> Free-to-air shows. Who calls their son Betty? Anyway. <laughs> Free-to-air shows with them pay-per-view being on top of that. Mm, yeah. Let's say, let's say, yeah, let's say an IT, let's go for an ITV fight night model with occasional pay-per-views. Okay, so you're talking 11 months of the year where you can put a product on. Yeah. Let's call it four weeks per month. If you had one and it was a good quality. Which, which, sorry, to define good quality, how many meaningful fights are we talking about? Two, three? Either one headline and then scrap the undercard or three reasonable and when i say reasonable i'm talking about your dan aziz charlie duffield coming up soon that kind of a meaningful fight um every once every three weeks if look if i'm a football fan i'm getting it once every three days three times a week sometimes Mm, not meaning i mean premier league scottish italian ah, some of that's fucked off now isn't it um championship games yeah, I Sky must show at least three live football yeah, games so, per yeah. week. No, you're right. At I mean, least I Friday thinking, night, Saturday afternoon. I was thinking, what about if your team plays a, a, Sundays. Crap, a crap team? But so as as a boxing fan, you can fan, watch big teams go head to head, can't you? So, yeah, yeah, as a boxing fan, once every three weeks isn't unreasonable if I'm paying the same as someone who's only bought it for the football. Yeah, once every three weeks, that is not unreasonable to me. Why? Which makes you. Why do you have the exclusivity with Sky of just having Hearn? Like, bring someone else in as mm. well. Bring that, someone else in to top up some of the, you know, those weeks when Sky can't put a decent card on. Mm, BT maybe have done one it. Day. BT have done it. They've brought in Ultimate Boxer to fill some of the gaps when Warren isn't putting cards on. Fair play. Okay. Um, so is that is that what we should you reckon we should aim for once every? I think that would be. That'd be good. It'd be nice. That's beyond reasonable. Yeah. Once every three weeks, I could be unreasonable and say once every two weeks. But still, if I compare it to being a football fan, if I'm just a boxing fan or I'm just a football fan, look at how much I'm getting for my money on each one. It's mad. Um, when there are so many fighters in this country, why is it so difficult for promoting the UK to produce decent, regular, competitive shows of a high enough standard? Oh, that's I didn't realise the segue so well, but yeah. there used to be, uh, yeah, they could and should be televised. There used to be reasonable numbers on, and I know. I think you always live with rose-tinted glasses, don't you? I'm sure if the if the sport gets worse over the next twenty four months, in two years' time, we'll probably be saying it was all right now. We'll probably be looking back at today's product. I going, would, what, only, the only those halcyon days of <laughs> cancelling Lawrence Acoli at five days of now, eight may, days notice. Maybe it was because it was such a feast of boxing. But I remember at the time, looking back, 2017, uh, 2017, everyone was like, this is a good year for boxing. It was. So um, maybe that's an outlier. But I remember at the time knowing that we were watching a decent year of boxing. And most of those boxers are still around today. And the problem is that like, why is it so hard to put it together on British TV? Because, because Hearn's gone off to America and he's gone off to Italy and he's filling these DAZN cards in America. Oh, sorry, Mexico. All these different places, spreading himself so thin with what he's got. 
you look back to those initial DAZN interviews when he got the billion dollars and talked about how he was going to build this super stable and he'd still have money left over. Like, he wouldn't even need to touch most of the billion. And it's not come to fruition. And so it's not a bilateral agreement between, like, us and America in terms of, like, Hearn's relationship. He takes a lot of the British talent and moves them over to America. In return, we get Ethan Jones III turn up at York Hall and smash someone in a round. Like, it doesn't work both ways for us. So we're losing out on a lot of what we used to have. Is it impossible to be a profitable boxing promoter unless you have some sort of TV revenue? Yeah, 100%. Like, it's a hard game. And I know Terry, you know, Terry has a lot of issues with small hall boxing and where it's going and how it's been. Uh... The the business side of small hall boxing is brutal. And so, you know, like, I know he's not a fan of the ticket selling model. and he's not a fan of, you know, getting people on that maybe aren't good enough to be on a show. Um, but because they can sell over 100 tickets, they get a slot. I understand that. I understand that. But you've got to look at it from a promoter's perspective. If you've got to sell out a 1,200 venue... Um, think of the cost that you're getting for a show. They're, they're honestly like extortionate and they go up every single year. The cost of a doctor, the cost of security, all these things rise and rise and rise. Um, what is the cost of a doctor for a boxing match? You're looking, I can't remember the exact figure, but it's something like six or seven hundred pound and you need three of them. Wow. So you're looking at a couple of grand like for your doctor's. And then you've got like paramedics outside of that. You've got the you've got to pay for the ambulance to be available all the time. You've got to pay for the security. Um, you're looking at somewhere in the region of fifteen to twenty grand for small hall show before you've brought a penny in, before you've paid an opponent, before you've paid anyone whatsoever that's actually going to be boxing on the show. So at that point, you've got you've got a ring surrounded by all the infrastructure you need. Yep. But no one's actually filled that ring. But yeah, nobody sold and you've a ticket. spent twenty k. Yeah, <laughs> fucking hell. So when I say small hall boxing is brutal, look, when you don't have the money coming in to subsidise you from TV, and coming along with TV is therefore sponsorship, then it's such a hard business to be involved in. So look, shout out to any of the small hall boxing promoters that are doing a job out there and doing the best that they can within the budgets that they've got. No small hall boxing promoters are walking out of the sport with like hundreds of thousands of pounds Jesus profit. Christ. Like you said, a twelve hundred seater, right? If I if I charge, how much is a small hall ticket? Uh, up in the rafters of say York Hall, forty quid. Down at floor okay. side, anywhere up to a hundred. Okay, so that's that's not too bad. So, but you've still got to pay the boxes yet. So. If and I, so your average, if you're fighting... average ticket price then? 60 quid? Call it 60 to 65. 62.50, okay. go with that. Okay. 62.50. That brings me in 75 grand. Now, I've already spent, we said 20 on just getting Ish. all the stuff together. <clears throat> now I've got a, I'm my headline bar, fight. Now, you've got to sell 1,200 tickets. Oh, okay. Right? That's so, on the assumption I've sold out. So, it, yeah, if you can say each lad's got to sell 100 tickets, which is a hard ask for anyone to do. If you're listening to this, think right now, top of your head, how many people would buy a ticket to come and watch you fight? Uh, 
Me, personally, I reckon a lot of our podcast listeners will love to watch me get my head caved in. Yeah, yeah I'd pay double. <laughs> my second fight, maybe not so much. <laughs> but yeah, think about it. Like, Have you got 100 no. people, realistically, no, that would, I don't think would I, pay I 40 I'd quid? I struggle to get... And I even reckon, if, if they did it 30, once, if they did it once, would they do it twice, three no. times, four times? And no. so if you say each of these people has to do 100 tickets, right, and you've got their four... 12 of them that you need. You need 12 lads to do that. Now you need 12 opponents. Now the opponent, average opponent doing four rounder will charge in the region of £1,100. <laughs> yeah. And like, now you put it like this. Now, you now I've at, got my accountant here. So on, you've, got like, a hand, you've got a handful of uh, four rounders. Say five. Let's go with five. Right, so hold on. I've uh, I've I've assumed that we've sold all the tickets, right? This is we 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 had a lucky we had a lucky streak, right? We it cost us twenty grand, but we're now down to fifty five grand. And how much did you say it was proponents to eleven hundred quid? Let's call it eleven hundred. Do you want me to do the the cost and you take the costs off? Right, fifty five grand, and I've got twelve opponents at. 1100 quid each. No, 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 no. You've got five opponents at 1100 quid okay, each. Right. Actually, let's go with six. Let's go with six. So that's six full rounders. Right, six full rounders. So I've got six opponents at 1100 quid each. Um, so that's 6,600 pounds, right? I'm down to 48,400. Now what? That's, that's just my, that's only five, that's six opponents. Okay, so, so I've now got to pay my six boxes, and I've got to pay yep. the six other opponent. Uh, other opponent. Now they're going to start getting more expensive because <laughs> you're going to put some six or eight rounders on, and you're looking at three grand an opponent. For, for how many of uh, how many of the remaining six? Uh, for four of them, you're going to need to pay six grand per opponent. Oh, so that, oh bollocks! What was that? So uh, four, forty. So. So twelve grand, Jesus Christ, down to thirty six grand. Right, I ain't paid my own boxes yet. Right, yeah. And then you've got two, which are going to be, you know, you've you've purse bid for them. Let's say you've purse bid for them. Both fights. I'm yeah. putting on a good show. I, I say I. We put on a good show. Okay. So let's say between the two boxes, so you're paying both out of this. Go with I don't know. Eight grand each, so sixteen grand. Take Fuck off that. Sake, fucking hell! Really? Fucking hell! Right, so now we're down to twenty grand. <laughs> These are my opponents. My opponents are sorted. They've got like first class travel on trains. Well, probably not. Now your home boxes are paid out, and they will. So if a, if a home boxer is selling a hundred tickets, they're probably going to walk home with, I don't know, maybe a grand each. So, so there's ten boxes you were going to pay a grand e- or take a grand each out of that. So take ten grand off that total. Okay, fine. After that, not really, because now I'm right. Okay, yeah. This is what you got left? Uh, less than ten and a half grand. Right. I still got my my big two big boys. No, no, they were counted for in the purse bid ah, scenario. Right, okay. So ten grand, right? And that's that's me probably missing out a few costs and that's here if and we there. Sell a hundred percent of the tickets. That's if, yeah. And that's not accounting for how many weeks work have you done in the build-up to this? And it's not just one person. You've got a team of people. You've got a promoter. You've got a matchmaker. You've got... Which I've presumably I'm 
paying am I paying? Do I pay those people? Yeah. And then you've to get these people in from overseas, because most foreign or most opponents are foreign, you'll be paying an agent somewhere to help match those fighters up. They'll take a cut of something. Nah, I've only got ten grand. I have to turn to not not this week, lads. <laughs> so that that's the kind of brutality that I'm talking about of how much money someone is making. That's on a very, very good day where you've sold something out. Ten grand maybe is coming back. But th- if you're lucky. I was gonna say that, and that's still being lucky. That's that's selling out the whole stadium, and that's on the assumption that agents are like, Don't worry, I'll take it out of the I'll take it out of my piggy bank this week, mate. Yeah, I'll take it out of a fighter's purse or something, which yeah. isn't unheard of. But um so there aren't massive margins of money that we're talking about. So to be a small hall boxing promoter and to make money, those two things don't necessarily go hand in hand very well. Um, and the same goes for being a fighter. To be a fighter on those small hall shows, you've got to sell those tickets. Then you've got to pay out of that your trainer, your manager, your promoter. Um, you know, that £1,000 I said they're taking home, that's probably 600 if they're lucky. Um, for doing all that graft, all that training, that eight-week camp... And I'm sure Terry will say, well, just be better. Like, you don't have to do it. And they don't have to do it. You're right. It's it's not a right to box. It is not a right to box. So the fact they have to go through that hard graft is because they weren't an Olympian. It's because they didn't come back from the Olympics with a gold medal or a silver medal or a bronze medal. Understand that completely. And a lot of them do it for the passion, for the love. No different to why you and I sit here right now recording this podcast. Because they enjoy doing it. Yeah. Uh, and they could have stayed amateur. And they could have stayed amateur and avoided all of that scenario. But they wanted to have a go at doing it pro and they wanted to have a try it and test themselves. That's what it means for a lot of people. I think the hardest part for me to relate to is that I could I could get myself up for pretty much anything, even the things that I would hate to do if I thought that at the end of it, there was like life-changing money at the end of it. Yep. Or, you know, a massive amount so I could go... Wow, I got myself 50k. I can sit back and I can chill for a solid, you know, month before I think about doing anything else, planning anything else. But if you're a boxer who's thriving on, um, who's making a living out of consistency and you only get a, like a K out of a fight, even 4k, then you're fighting three times a year. And yeah, you're you're having, but you're putting months. You're you're in camps for weeks and weeks and weeks, only to then walk away of four k. And presumably the boxers pay what the trainers, or do they take it out of that? Where does that yeah, money? Yeah, the, the the trainer, the manager, the promoter. Their money comes out of the fighters' money essentially. So, as yeah. I say, they're going home with maybe six, seven hundred quid. Yeah, I mean that is just insane. It's brutal, but they choose to do it. So fair play to them for choosing to do it. I wouldn't. It's madness. Yeah. But I know again, Terry's of the the opinion you don't respect everyone who steps through the ring. They've done it for years. They they choose to do it. Cool, but there has to be, even if it's begrudgingly, a little bit of respect for those people that choose to go through that motion, chasing a dream that they a lot of them won't ever achieve, and they probably know that deep down. But for some of them, winning that southern area title, that central area title, northern area title, that's their world title. And it's the the spit and sawdust of those small hall shows that people, you know, I was down at the Goodwin show last night and, you know, for that period of time, those boxers feel like superstars when they step out of the ring and they've got a win and, you know, they've got, you know, their family around them and their friends. And you kind of like, I can't find any hatred for that. It's not there. Yeah. 
is it, it's it's a respect that I there's a there's a profound respect I have for those people in as much I can't imagine a reality in which I do that. And the same for all of those promoters out there that are doing the same thing. You know, we've just calculated it there, and it's it's very back of a fag packet maths. But if you're saying best case scenario is you're walking out with ten grand, okay, cool. Yeah. But you've earned that ten grand. You're gonna have to pay other people. You know, there are other people that we've missed out of that scenario that need paying. But I mean, even as much as right, you get ten grand for the door. If you're a promoter, you're gonna need an office space. You're gonna need, you know, it's not money that you just go. Where am I going on holiday? And it doesn't just turn up. You've worked for that money. Yeah. You don't just turn for up months. at an event and go, brilliant, it's sold out. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful news. Yeah. So uh, as I just say, just throw out a kind of, uh, just throw out a load of texts to boxes. I'll sort you out. Don't worry. Just make sure you sell the tickets. Um, this is the final question of three. Uh, why is it still only Hearn and Warren that only ever really get considered for the UK's TV contracts? Why can't any other existing pro- promoter or new entrant get their act together and challenge these two? What are the barriers to entry that are stopping this from happening that aren't obvious to the casual fans such as myself? Basically, in short, given the shit that Warren and Heard provide on a regular basis, why has no one ever got their act together to provide a viable UK alternative? Uh, all those three questions are provided by David Lincoln. So thank Good you very much, questions. David. I like him. Well done, David. Uh, yeah, why haven't so, we that seen... That so condescending. Sorry. <laughs> why haven't Have a we sticker, David. Wonderfully, wonderfully uh, no, they are punctuated as well. Um, why haven't we seen a viable we alternative? We haven't seen viable ones. So look at those that have traditionally had opportunities on TV and then pretty much fuck them. Um, Haymaker. Would you class BBC as one or not? When it's orderly contracts or... They fell out of love after the orderly contract. Mm. Um, fair play to Audley he did alright for himself out of it million pounds to beat up a fucking bus driver Um, good on him Um, but look at the names that get given TV contracts like Cyclone fronted up by Barry McGuigan He's he's a name boxing fans know so it draws people in immediately and then Cyclone they did a good job with Josh Taylor building him and building him uh, on those Channel 5 shows Haymaker, you know, they they know who David Hay is, but those shows on Dave were atrocious when he beat Roger and the, the Cobra. Cobra. Yeah. Um, and you look at others, like how many lives has Mick Hennessy had on TV contracts? He had BBC, he had ITV, he had Channel 5. <laughs> yeah, that's incredible. He's been... I don't even understand why he's given all those opportunities. He's still going, isn't he? Like that Huey Fury fight the other week, that was on Channel 5, somehow, yeah. from Manchester, wherever it was. Um, uh, I can't remember the name of the place. That was for some reason on TV, and that was awful. Like, there are people out there that could do a better job of it. Mick Hennessy's still, for whatever reason, got Huey Fury in his you know, under his wing, which is a decent name to anchor a TV show. If you're going to put him in with the rubbish they've put him in with, then it's not, you know, it's not a great look and it's only a matter of time till Channel 5 lose interest in it, you'd suspect. But there are people out there, Steffi Ball, doing a really good job. Steve Goodwin, but I'm not going to talk too much about that because it sounds like I'm biased. 
Um, Carl Greaves doing a, a fantastic job. Steve Wood up in Manchester doing a fantastic job. All these people are bubbling around underneath that even if it was... It doesn't really work like this, but if you could somehow amalgamate their products and like pull them all together and say, right, now you put something on. Because Dennis Hobson had a show on Friday night. Um, and I'm not going to sit here and fuck it off like Terry would about a Steve show, despite the fact Dennis is Steve's, uh, sorry, Terry's mate. But, it, it, you know, it's on Free Sport. I don't really know what Free Sport is. Um, but I know what the model is behind that being on TV. And that's brutal as well. Like, you're getting paid X amount per thousands of viewers, of which, who's going to tune in to watch. Josh Whale versus someone, and um, I can't even remember the other guy's name, who was meant to be fighting for a Commonwealth, but the opponent's visa didn't come through, so they had to cancel it. And p- I thought Frank Warren was the only one who fucked around with those things. Like <laughs> We've got someone else in on the act now. But, you know, it, those cars... But again, I'm not going to sit here and like mouth off about it particularly, because go back to those maths that we just did. Like It's such a hard thing, but... Putting that on free sport, when I looked at the venue on Friday night, I did flick over very, very shortly and turned off again, but there weren't that many people there at all. You know, it wasn't this 100% that we were working towards. There were very few people there. And so giving that product away on free sport, like, it turns people off of turning up because you know you can stay at home and watch it. Same as the argument you have about streaming. Would you stream your show? MTK have got shed loads of money, bundles of money. Um, so they can afford to stream a show and afford X percentage of people not to turn up because they can watch it at home for free. Like, maybe Hobson's got that too. Cool, brilliant for him if he has. But I'm not going to sit here and criticise that. <laughs> when I listen into next week's show and Terry's been here and I'm not here, I'm sure he'll be able to sit and criticise Steve. That's not really my style of doing things. Um, but, you know... If Don't you worry, wanna... it is Terry's. Absolutely. Um <laughs> You know, if you're going to get something on TV, make it TV worthy, or else you're just going to make people turn off. That's the problem you've got. See, if they did, if there was, I realise this is probably, you know, unicorn wishes sort of standard, but if you had, right, every week we're going to put on a show, but week one, it'll be a Hobson show. Week two, it'll be a Goodwin show. Week three, it'll be a blow up show. And that's going to be every single whatever, Saturday night, Friday night yep. on ITV at nine o'clock, eight o'clock, we're going to start showing it, ITV three, four, whatever. And you said, so that people knew that every single month, they could, or every, single, every single week. And you could, could almost pick and choose what you were going to watch. Yeah. And if there was like the highlight shows of that week, I feel like once, once you attracted a bit of prestige to the event, then suddenly you don't have to worry about a lack of ticket sales. We've seen that in in football, in rugby, in like these these massive stadiums that have got massively high profile events on are broadcast on terrestrial TV middle of the day on a Saturday. Does not discourage people from paying three hundred pounds for a ticket. So we we know as long as you if there's some, especially in the modern era, if there's enough prestige and cashier attached to an event, people will want to do, turn up just to say they've been there. Yep. So if you, pro- if you, there is a vehicle to provide a, a show that's worth watching for those people who are, who want a 
a good product in order to watch it and there's an and therefore it attracts enough attention in order for it to generate that cachet then you then it kind of solves the problem itself but it requires joined up thinking and it requires well I collaboration that, yeah and, it, and that yeah and that's where you're gonna fall down yeah i yeah. so i mean it's so frustrating wanting to be able to because the amount I won't lie. The, the 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 vast majority of times I won't watch a boxing show, the same way you and Terry do, is because I don't want to watch three hours of TV yep. and then come away and go, what the fuck was the point of that? Yep. You know? I, I can't. Understandable. I can't. There's lots of things I don't watch on TV. There's lots. Because I will not sit there after all that time and go, what the fuck was the point I could of have done something with my Saturday night. <laughs> yeah. So that's why I don't do it because it's not reliable enough. If I, a big match of football, two big teams go to head to head. Like when I watch the Crystal Palace have beaten Arsenal 4-3, I think to myself, ah, oh, that's a, I love to have watched that. But would I have watched it 99 times out of 100? Nope. Because it would have been a boring match, you know, and that's how I feel about boxing a lot of the time. Whereas if you had that, that sort of situation in boxing, what I spoke about earlier, each promoter would, and it would make sense if there was that system going, so they'd the, be saving those big fights for those big nights where they could put it on big, a big TV show. That was initially the, um, the free sports model was meant to be about a number of different promoters um, working under the free sports banner. Okay. Um, so British Warriors were going to be involved. Um, they spoke with a number of other promoters that I'm aware of. Uh, and then they were going to show the British War- like the first British Warriors one. Then they, they pulled it like on the night, basically, I think, uh, and said, no, we're not going to do this. Because I think there was a, a misunderstanding somewhere in the build-up to it over who was paying the production cost of the show. <laughs> they come down to money. <laughs> yeah, but it did. And like, I think basically the promoter said, no, we're not paying it. And the TV company said, well, we're not paying it. And so they didn't show it. And it, it was basically something around that. Um, but I say that model was meant to be there, but it all fell apart. You need that collaboration. You need that mutual understanding. You need something that's actually beneficial to the promoter to make it work. And, I, you know, from what I understand of that free sport model you have to be drawing in some big numbers to be able to do that. To draw in big numbers, you need big fights to get big fights you need money you need collateral behind it and that's hard to do again do going think... back to those numbers I'm, i i sympathize entirely when i say you need something that's going to draw people in to watch it like that's the almost unicorn thinking on its own because yeah. it's chicken and egg scenario how do you make big fights without big money yeah speculate to accumulate but even then you're not definitely going to get a return on that investment how long have you got to speculate for that's a problem isn't it i mean you see businesses amazon didn't make a profit for something like 10 years because it was constantly reinvesting and if you're bankrolled cool go for it um but you know no matter no matter how rich an individual may be that sits behind something they're rich because they're good business people good business people aren't going to chuck shitloads of money into a product hoping that it will make money in the end. Well, without some sort of some sort of realistic market expectation that it will. Yeah. You know, like for example, the, uh, the Amazon for example, it it's easy to look back now, but at the time it made sense. You know, people convenience and shopping equals yeah. probably we're going to make boxing, there's no real guarantee. 
you know, you, there's no guarantee that you're going to one day it's going to just pop into existence. You're going to have a wonderfully profitable product. Um, okay, we are 47 minutes in and I've asked you about four questions. So let's, uh, well, shoot, I'll get back on it. Oliver McManus asks, what boxer has let you down slash disappointed you slash whatever phrase you prefer to use in the, mo- uh, the most in the ring over the past 10 years or so? Before Let's have a top further. three. No, no, let's, before I go any further, come back to the question in a minute. Oliver McManus, I spent some time with at your call last night. Such a nice young man. Oh, you were cutting him off for the podcast, yeah. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> because I'm about to apologise to him anyway. <laughs> I kept calling him Christian. And for the life of me, I'll come to explain this later on because I had about five jobs. I was multitasking, which is right. a male was near impossible. I get that. Um, <laughs> but I had so many things to do last night. And then I eventually, in my head, I'd say I need to find time to go and sit down with him and spend a bit of time with Oliver. And I did. And I put aside like 20 minutes. So I'm just going to take a break and go and sit down with him. Um, and it was nice. We sat and chatted. And then after about 10 minutes, we went, you keep calling me Christian. That's not my name. Right. Should have told me that ten minutes ago, to be honest. But <laughs> well, in I my head, go now anyway. <laughs> no, it was completely my fault. There's another guy I chat to on Twitter fairly often called Christian Allcorn. Um, oh yeah. And just for whatever moment, I had a complete and utter mind fart, whatever, and I, I just got the names wrong. So complete apologies. But he was down there. He's a cool lad. Um, and there were loads of people from like the boxing fraternity who were down there last night that you just spent a bit of time with here and there. Shaz does so much for small hall boxers. Fantastic. Uh, Dan Frost. Dan Frost, who's now an inspector at the board. Um, and he's like a new breed almost of what the board is about. Okay. Um, and I hope that he can go on and continue to progress within the board. So the inspectors are there making sure people, you know, like for title fights, he's in the, the changing room checking the hands are being wrapped correctly, signing off the gloves. During the title fight, he's up on the ring, like making sure the corners are all acting appropriately. Um, he's doing lots of stuff. He's taking down weights at weigh-ins, all these kind of things. Dan is such a sound lad. And I managed to, again, get like 10, 15 minutes, just here and there, sparingly getting that time with him. Um, so shout out to him. So many people that I, I managed to just bump into, see, speak to last night. That That's cool. It was those kind of things that, again, this is why I can't hate on what the small hall product is. Because it gives people an opportunity. You're not in the O2 where like you'd have to stand on your phone going, I'm over here. Yeah. You're right. I, like it gives you that opportunity just to bump into people, just to spend time with people. I sat and watched one of the title fights last night. I sat and watched it next to Anthony Agogo, like the Olympic bronze medalist. Oh, okay. Um oh, was, I'd love to have had a chat of him. He was on the island as well. He was on that survival. Yeah. Uh, okay. So Anthony's been through all this stuff in life where his eye got damaged against Jason Cunningham. Um when he was on the rise, Anthony. It got it got damaged. And he's been fighting to try and get his license back. And he's basically accepted he can't do it now. Like and it's tragic and he wanted to carry on and he couldn't. Um but yeah, I, I didn't speak to him about that at all because I'm sure he is sick to death of, of answering questions yeah. about it. So I just sat... And or just talking about it in general. I, exactly, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I just sat and chatted with him and, you know, it was, uh, it, it was really nice. But all Connor Ben was down there because Connor Ben's uh, sparring partner is a guy called Angelo Benavidlacqua uh, who was fighting last night. So Connor Ben came down just to support his sparring partner 
and he spent time taking photos with people. This is why I can't hate on small hall boxing because you get those opportunities to interact with people in a small venue and it's unique and it's just like it gives you a really good energy about everything. I, I say I, I'm sure this time next week Terry will sit here and then tear all of that apart, and that's cool. Like yeah, but, if but it's not for you. What I would say with that, equally, Terry could sit here the week after and see how great it is. <laughs> <laughs> because if, he, his opinion is almost like a seismometer. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, if it's not for you, it's not for you. Cool. But for me, it's just being around all of that stuff is just, it's a breakaway from my normal life. And it, it's great just to have those opportunities. Anyway, what's his question? Right. Olivia McManus, uh, sorry, Olivia, Oliver McManus. Christian. What? <laughs> Christian McManus asked, what boxers let you down, disappointed you, whatever phrase you want to use in the, mo- the most of the last 10 years in the ring? Uh, you, there's got to be more than There's got to be more than one. There's got to be more than one, but the obvious ones that stand out are Frankie Gavin, Kell Brook. When Kell Brook took that, that fight and he won the world title out in America, the world was his oyster at the time. The Khan fight, possibly the Mayweather fight, the Pacquiao fight. You know, he held the IBF world title. He could have started cashing in and making all these fights. Then you had Danny Garcia coming through. You had Keith Thurman coming through. Exciting division. And then, you know, whatever happened in Tenerife happened in Tenerife. Um, And he took the time out and he came back and he just, you know, he got stuck with mandatories, the likes of Bizier, Jojo, Dan. Just a career that promised so much and has delivered so little and then almost taken to the sacrificial altar t- to fight Gennady Golovkin because someone needed to save that pay-per-view after Eubank said, no, I'm not fighting for that money, understandably, when you hear what the stories are around how it was going to be done. Um, yeah, like, Kell Brook had a career that promised so much and has delivered... You know, he's a world title holder and he made uh, multiple defences, none of which anyone will ever remember. I feel like there's been a lot of hype and not proportionally even as much success come out of the Olympic squads over the years. I recognise we've got like Anthony Joshua you know, as an outlier. Oh, no, 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 no. Because I was just running through my head. Could you put Joshua into this bracket? Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Could you? Like, mm, I, I don't, don't want to be so, seen personally. as a Joshua hater. Just because, just because of the the up to up to the Andrew Ruiz fight, it's you. you ev- everything's done. You know, well, at the very least, he's outshone everyone else commercially. Y- yeah. But let's look purely at CV. <laughs> purely, if you have to write well, down. Yeah how they've done and how they've done it winning a world title against Charles Martin the defences against people that I really struggle to write off Klitschko I'm I like <sighs> I'm, not, I'm not I'm not saying I, that I, I would put Joshua into this and yeah. Joshua's still got a long journey ahead of him if he goes and beats Ruiz takes out Wilder you know is undisputed you champion can't dismiss that it's so easy like Terry dismisses that Klitschko Klitschko is shot Klitschko is this Klitschko is that but Straight after, he was telling us how sharp Klitschko was to 
land that punch. The reason that Joshua fell on that punch was because Klitschko tactfully moved him out of the way of his little finger. But his hands were in gloves. How did he do that to him? No, because he moved out of the way. He sidestepped to the left. Actually, he moved through space-time continuum very slowly. <laughs> and then moved his fist through the... And then he pulled... And then that, no, Terry, he didn't. Yeah, he fucking did. You see it. If you know, you know boxing. You haven't stepped in a ring, Andy. You don't know. So that sort of shit. We got all that shit. <laughs> and then... A year, 18 months later, he's like, ah, Klitschko was fucking shit. But I thought he did all that stuff magically with his hands to him. Nah, he didn't do fucking any of that. Oh, yeah, no, he did do that, but he was also shit. <laughs> like, so, so, it was, he just didn't make any sense. I, I, so, yeah, like, we come back to the rest of the Joshua Joshua's CV. I, I think, you know, if Klitschko is his peak and he loses to Ruiz now, it's been... Given all the hype that's come out of the GB boxing setup, you have to go, Oof. it doesn't feel like much of an explosion of talent. It feels like one fight defined. Am I missing something here? When, what, I might have missed a fight somewhere, haven't I? He's fought, AJ's fought Klitschko. What was his other big win? Joseph Parker. Is that it? Well, she won. <laughs> I thought I'm forgetting someone. I can't make anyone up. You're looking <laughs> at the Brazils of this world, the Molinas no. of this world. I thought we'd had another big fight. Oh. No, this is what I'm saying, is that actually if you look at it on paper, and I don't want to be accused of being an AJ hater, because I'm not, Yeah. but... I'm thinking Fury with, with Wilder and Wilder's draw, albeit, and the, and the Klitschko win, which, you know, arguably are two very good performances. Yeah. Um, fuck, yeah. So... You might but if you look, like, you can name, I bet you can name five, six boxers straight off the bat who have disappointed after coming out of the GB setup. Luke Campbell? Mm. After after the amount, when he first yeah, fought, yeah, okay. when he was fighting Tommy Core, everyone was like, this guy is going to be the the man. He's going to be... and But look, go back. You've got James DeGale. I don't want to hate on James DeGale, but he never achieved everything that he could have achieved or... Yeah, where he stepped out with the gold medal. It yeah. wasn't like he was a bronze medalist. He was the gold medalist at the time. And his career, you know, he went off and uh, beat Darrell for the world title. And he, he kind of went under the radar over in America with that world title. Lost it to Caleb Truax. And then had to beat Caleb Truax, who was a caretaker in a school. <laughs> <laughs> he had to beat him to get his world title back. And then like... For what we wanted James DeGale to he achieve. He the floor of him, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> uh, he unlocked the gate. <laughs> early in the morning. <laughs> um, yeah, for what we wished that James DeGale could and would achieve, there's an underachievement there. Lots of them. Anthony Agogo, I just mentioned, but that comes down to injury yeah, over seems a bit harsh, anything else. But again, look, what we hoped for never materialised. That's yeah. all I'm saying. Um, it's not a criticism of Anthony Agogo. I might be showing my age here, but is Audie Harrison within the last 10 years? <laughs> he must be borderline, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he came out. He was, he was a Sydney Olympics, wasn't he? Um, when was that? 2000? 2000, I think. Oh my God, that's 20 years ago. <laughs> borderline, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the, the, I think the harder, the harder question to ask is who's come out of the boxing setup, GB boxing setup in the last, let's say, stretch out to 20 years and wowed us. Overachieved. Yeah. Um, Khan. People hate on Khan. But for what he did, he was a kid. 
in the Olympics. He was like 17 years old, was it? He came silver medalist. And look at what he's done in his career. Multiple time world champion, multiple weights, fought some of the most memorable fights people will ever have. a shit ton of money, And a shit ton of money, had a career that people would sell their arm for. I know people say, well, that's the same with Joshua. It is, absolutely. But if you look at Khan's CV, it's almost unparalleled in terms of names that are on it. He hasn't won all of them. (laughs) There are big fat L's next to him. Yeah, of course there are. Of course there are. But on the other hand, look at the names on Joshua's CV. They're not comparable. The Maidana fight for Khan, that was a peak Maidana, and he fucking beat him. He beat him. Probably easier than Mayweather did, but hell of a fight. Like, (laughs) you look at a Canelo, who he went and fought, you know, stupidly. Same way Brooks stupidly fought Golovkin. But those names are on their CVs. Where's the risk in Joshua's? Yeah. There aren't any. Ruiz. Yeah. He knew that he knew there was trouble there, but he wasn't scared to take the Ruiz fight. <laughs> Hearn told us before the fight, this this is a potential banana skin. It's almost um, like they say every fight. I love Richie Gray at Fight Talk, by the way. He did a brilliant breakdown of that. It's like, fuck all the people that said, oh, I knew it was a risky fight for Joshua. Because there are all these are people that say every fucking fight, yeah. and then eventually they're right, and they look like they're the ones that are the geniuses. They don't mention every time that they got it wrong. Richie Gray, shout out. That was a brilliant, brilliant Let's draw in the league this season. Leicester will win the league this season. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Like when you find out those blokes have put like... 20 quid on Burnley to win the Champions League two yeah. years from now and then suddenly it's you know wow I stand to win 20 grand but I've lost a lot of money on all the other shit bets that I've put on um, should we fly through some Raj oh forgive me Raj because I'm not going to get this <laughs> I've just seen the deflation on your face Raj Bojani I'm going to guess that is uh if the rematch was in the contract why is it proving difficult to announce Ruiz Joshua 2. My segues have been on point today. They have. Like completely luck. Pure luck. Um, Surely it would have been done by now. Eddie says, uh, keeps saying it'll be next week. I'll probably leave this to Terry for next week, actually, to discuss. And I don't think Not it happening. Will... No, no, you won't need this question. I think it's All one right. of the things that he um, has a theory upon. Right, okay. Which is that perhaps the contract... And it is difficult, right? Because oh, he said something. Yeah, actually. exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, if you think about it, you've got to write a contract that covers every eventuality and every outcome. And you never know whether that contract is watertight and works until you need it. And this is the first time they've needed it. And granted, you can probably copy and paste a lot of it from other contracts. But you're talking about all the commercials that come with it. Um, and for someone like Joshua, that's different than writing it for Kel Brook. And so you're not going to find out whether you've nailed down every nook and cranny of that contract until you need it. Because if Ruiz, who's now got more money than he could ever lay his hand on, now gets the best lawyer that he could possibly get to look at that contract, if that lawyer says, well, actually, mate, they haven't haven't closed this loop right here. Like, go back and tell them there's a problem with this. And if they don't solve it, you're going elsewhere. And to solve it is going to cost another three million pound. Oh, you know. But do you know what I mean? Like, I love that to be the case. I I basically love it to be the case because it feels like they've held all the cards all this time. Yeah. And much similar to what you said earlier, there's been no risk taken, and they're and it could be prized. I don't wish I don't wish any ill upon them, but I 
what I what frustrates me is that they haven't taken any risks, and the fact that it might be prized away from them might show them that when they got a thing going, a good thing going, take it, milk it to its maximum, so the fans can enjoy, and that you know you could lose at any time, sort of thing. You know, it frustrated me they didn't give us what they could have given us when they could. Yeah, agree, and I think no, not nobody, very few people out there hate Anthony Joshua. Yeah. It's like, difficult to hate the guy. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, I don't even dislike Anthony Joshua. No. I don't dislike Eddie Hearn. I don't dislike many people in life, really. Well, I don't dislike them because I don't know them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, I don't dislike many people in life. But you can dislike the way people work. And you can dislike the contempt you're treated with as a fan. Like, those things can go separately. Like, I'm not hating on an individual. I'm hating on a business practice. Yeah, and if those business practices have fallen apart somewhere, like, I'm going to take a little bit of joy out of that, if I'm honest, if that happens. I don't hate the people that run Coca-Cola, but Grape Fanta is an abomination, and I hate that. So I, I hate the business, <laughs> what it's produced. Don't buy it, then. <laughs> no, well, Michaela has it, so it sits in the fridge, and it reminds me every day. Right, it's that, in your face. Yeah. But anyway, no, what I'm saying is that ah, is a bit costing you money, dickhead. It's, uh, dickhead. It's, it's a sore point. It's a sore point in the relationship. But um, what are you doing with it? Uh, well, I'm just wondering why it's making you sore. Well, what? Don't you do that with cans? <laughs> cans! <laughs> cans! <laughs> Sideways. <laughs> Stephen Mock asks, what is the, se- <laughs> sorry, who is the second worst manager in boxing? After Joe Gallagher. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> I laughed when I read that. So there's a story. I got a text yesterday off of someone. Should we name nameless? <laughs> um, that tells me that the relationship between Callum Smith and Joe Gallagher is has gone to another level. That level being zero, maybe. Ah, okay, right. Um, there's a problem there. So this all comes on the back of um, a week where you hear, well, actually a couple of weeks, Frank Warren's been saying that they've been making offers for Billy Joe Saunders versus Callum Smith as a unification at super middleweight. Because um, remember, Billy Joe Saunders won that <laughs> fucking... <laughs> I love the way you read the confusion on my face as though like, <laughs> wait a minute, BJ no, Saunders a world champion. He's a two-weight world champion. <laughs> what? Uh, remember? Oh, yeah. yeah, remember oh, yeah. when they hired Stevenage Football Club for the evening? Oh. Like, it was the most mental thing going. And he beat some... Uh, uh, do you know what? I genuinely, like, I'm not taking the piss, I genuinely couldn't give you the first or last name of the guy that he beat for that world title. And I suspect I will never hear of him again. For a world title. <laughs> Um, super middleweight, like a peak division, you know, one of the historic oh. divisions, one of the ones that, you know, some of the names that have travelled through that, that weight division. That is when you know that you could win a world title. Yeah. It's, it would be that easy. Once you get yeah. to a certain point in a certain cul-de-sac in boxing, you can win a world title. If you've title. got enough relationships and enough money, then there are ways to do it. Yeah. So, not taking anything away from Billy Joe, because he's an outstanding boxer, but that was a joke. It was too. It was too weak a test for a fighter of his capabilities. That's my issue with the Tyson Fury Tom Schwartz fight. Okay, that's a fa- and that's a that is a fair. Co- I don't think anyone would argue with that. Yeah. Okay. However, the one saving grace of Tyson Fury is, is it didn't have a world title attached to it. The Billy Joe Saunders well, one did. Well, you say that it had the lineal. It had the lineal. <laughs> um, 
Frank Warren's been saying there have been offers made. Eddie Hearn's saying, I've never seen these offers. I don't know what you're on about. And um, from what I understand, or from what you hear, those offers have been going to Joe Gallagher, who is Callum Smith's manager. So that makes perfect sense. There's no issue with that. Offers should always go to a fighter's manager. And from what Frank Warren has said, 50-50 split can go on either platform or both platforms. Trying to be as realistic about it as possible to make the fight. This is in his words. Whether it's true or not, don't know. Um, 50-50 split on pay-per-view. All British unification at super middleweight. Two undefeated fighters. Cool. That works, right? I'm up for that. You're up for that, I'd imagine. Billy Joe Saunders, Callum Smith. Yeah, yeah, definitely. 50-50 money sounds perfectly reasonable to me for both. And apparently, well, Joe Gallagher did say it's not a good enough offer. It doesn't do enough for Callum Smith. And no, we're not taking it. What, they want 60 60-60? 60-40. 60-40. Shout out to the first live show. Um, so, what I heard yesterday is that Callum Smith isn't or has gone down a new managerial route. Don't know if that means he's gone down a new trainer route. We'll find out for certain whether he's gone down the the managerial one. And that maybe Eddie wasn't happy about this whole situation. And maybe he genuinely didn't know there was an offer put in by Frank Warren a couple of weeks back for this fight. Maybe Joe Gallagher just said, nah, nah, not doing that which kind of within his rights he's he's able to do as the manager. So it all looks like a messy situation. It doesn't look like that fight's likely to get made anytime soon unless there is a new manager that comes in and they're able to negotiate it some way. Um, so yeah, <laughs> going back to the original... <laughs> uh, Joe Gallagher... Who is the second worst manager in boxing? I feel like this isn't really your wheelhouse... This is more a Terry question. It is. He would burn down the houses with this. Yeah. Um, whereas I'm not even going to like the match. <laughs> okay. Um, he, he, he Yestins says <laughs> thoughts on the two main fights next week as Dubois versus Gorman and Jennings versus Joyce. I'm looking forward to that, to be honest. That is one... That is one... Uh, there are two fights that I'm looking forward to. Do you know what? Credit to Frank Warren for some of the fights he's put on this year that he's given us free to air. Um, what, why? Can I just ask, why are Dubois and Gorman fighting now? I shouldn't have to ask that question, but it's not normal. You're right. It's not. Um, so you've got the Joe Joyce was mandated for the British. Frank Warren kind of explained this the other day, and it didn't actually make any sense. I'm fairly, I need to go back and watch it, but I'm fairly sure it made no sense at all. I'm sure Joyce and Dubois were mandated to fight for the British. I think that's right. And then Frank Warren was like, "Yeah, so we just, you know, Gorman and Dubois fighting." You're like, hold up. Remember that South Park episode where they have the underpants gnomes and they're like, we've got a plan to make millions. He's like, yeah. steal underpants, yeah. make millions. Yeah. And there's nothing in between that explained the process. That's what it felt like on, on this interview. So I don't know why. 
Apart from the fact they've got these talents in-house at Frank Warren, heavyweights, and they want to fight one another. And so I, they are fighting one another. So are Dubois, are Dubois and Joyce still mandated? And they're just doing this as like a semi-final of some sort? So they, at the time... Because that kind of assumes that Dubois and Joyce are no, going to so win. No, so at the time they came out and said, this fight will happen. Dubois and Joyce? Yeah. It will happen. For the British title. That's what they said at the time. It will happen. And now it's not. So whether Joyce is going to fight the winner of this, I don't know. I don't know if it's still mandated under the board. I genuinely haven't got a clue. What I do know is it's a brilliant fight. And credit to Frank Warren for putting that fight on. Credit for giving it away, air quotes again, on BT Sport. Because that, (laughs) in this day and age, could easily have gone down as a pay-per-view. When you've also got Joyce versus Jennings on there. Um, but they haven't. They've given it away just as they did with the um, Warrington-Galahad fight. Put it on normal BT. Phenomenal. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Don't care about the rest of the undercard. Couldn't give a shit about it. Because those headline fights are good enough to make me tune in. And if something catches my eye on the undercard, great. But uh, I say, let's just have a positive week. Credit Frank Warren for doing that. What do I make of the fights? I think Gorman will win on points. That's what I've gone for. Um, I think Joyce will stop Jennings. Estins also asks, was John Pallata tapped to go to Warren? I'm surprised. Is, tap, is that tapped in a... Like, like tapped up in football. Oh, okay. Uh I'm surprised that he left Goodwin Management as he could have said he could have stayed and still still be with Warren as his promoter. I can't comment, I suppose, um, as to whether he was tapped or not. I, uh, I plead the fifth. Um, you what, can. What? Th- those rules aren't... Uh, and I don't know how much you know about constitutional things in America stuff. They don't. They're not a blanket across the country, across the world. They're not. No. I thought you could just like roll it out when you want. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. It turns out you can't. Um, John Pilata, look, Terry will tell you he's the second coming of Jesus Christ. Um, John Pilata's a decent dude, big man, he can box. He's not on that level of Dubois, Goy, Joyce, Gorman, but he's Yard. another... Oh, and the Yard's a God, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> the Yard's God and Pilata is Jesus. Oh, okay. Pilata's not on that boxing level of those guys. Um, he's a good enough boxer. It's cool. My, my theory on this is that he signed with Frank Warren and he will fight the loser of Dubois versus Joyce in probably their next fight. Um, that'd be my guess. You've got this undefeated heavyweight in John Pilata. Record looks good. I think you put him in with the loser of that. And I'm, I'm just going to take a punt at that. I don't know, but uh, that wouldn't surprise me. They're building up a good little stable of heavyweights. I'm not hating on Pilata at all. Best of luck to him. I hope he goes on. If, if that scenario played out, I hope he wins it. I hope he builds a future for himself. But I just but now that we've finished our piss break... Um, <laughs> Just wanted to touch. I know Terry always references back on Twitter to these because Terry's back on Twitter now. Um, he references back to that December the 
twelfth podcast was it? I, my memory shot to shit. It's almost like he goes through podcasts historically, just so that he can quote them later on down the line. Not that he would ever do that. His memory is like no. he has got an incredible memory. To be I fair, think, yeah. like, I, I'm not doubting that. Yeah. Um, far better than mine. Um, about <laughs> the one that he went off on the rant about small hall boxing and that, and kind of credits you know credits himself for the improvement in some places, but explains away you know some of the things some of the questions he would explain away with go back and listen to that episode i know for a fact there are multiple uh promoters that, like don't listen and some that do um but i think it, you know he talked about he's got this weird obsession with steve at the moment i don't know what it is steve doesn't listen to this podcast i know that for a fact oh, really hasn't listened to it for the best part of a year um if not longer because he said some of the views that come out on there are just like he said they're they're maddening to listen to. That like they're so far so he wide. Wa- he can list this week then. <laughs> so far wide of what the actual truth is. Like he likes Terry as a person, but some of the views that might get put across, he's like, I can't listen to that because it's so far wide of what the truth is. Um, so you know, any improvement or whatever else really that's come off of that December the, the whatever it was podcast are pure coincidence because as I say Steve hasn't actually listened to this but we have asked Terry about sit down with Steve and we'll do that you know we'll get Steve in on it because then you don't have to make comments about it you can talk about it and have a two-way conversation which would be far better but he's not up for it is he no Terry that is Steve I've not actually even put it to Terry quack quack and I've said that to him before you have said it to him to be fair (laughs) he has ducked uh, uh, but yeah, I, I, get in contact with us. Put the pressure on. I want to see it. Yeah. Uh, hashtag Terry versus Steve. <laughs> and Steve would be up for it. Steve would come along. But Terry says he's above the small hall scene. <laughs> that was his words, wasn't it? Levels, wasn't <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah, and then went to that Hobson show. Dear, dear, dear. Uh, Mayor Brixton. Rob Martin, shout out. Didn't see him last night. Don't know if he was there, but if not, much love anyway. I think he was. Predictions for White Rivas? Um, that it's a three-quarter empty O2 arena. Uh, 7,000 tickets sold, I heard. Actually, sorry. I don't know if that's right. It might have been 3,000. I got a text about this yesterday at the same time the Gallagher stuff was coming through. Uh, from someone... <laughs> Sorry, less than three and a half thousand tickets wow. sold. This is the O2. Isn't the O2 like 20,000? Wow. Are so going to move it to the Indigo Lounge or whatever it is? <laughs> move to the lounge. <laughs> move to one of the bars. You know when you start seeing fighters putting out ticket competitions on their social media? That's when there's a sign that there's... Oh, that's bad. And you're starting to see those now. Um, but yeah, three and a half thousand. Which, again, look. We mentioned it earlier about the business decisions that are made that take the piss out of fans. Putting White Rivas on a paper... Do you know who Rivas is? No, I don't. No, but you would know a lot of the opponents that White had fought before. So Joseph Parker, you knew. Yeah. Lucas Brown, you knew. Obviously, yeah, obviously. Derek Chisora, you knew. You don't know Rivas. They're taking for granted that White is some sort of... Is a pay-per-view fighter. and he's not. I don't know Rivas that much, if I'm honest. Like I've seen a couple of his fights. I saw the was it the Jennings fight. 
I don't know him that well. There is not a fucking cat in hell's chance I would be forking out £20 to watch it. The undercard is some good, what you would call, trade fights. So your likes of uh, Richard Reakpour versus Chris Billum-Smith. Which is the other one he's asked. Brilliant fight. Brilliant fight. It would be a good headliner to a next-gen show, not a good undercard fight on a pay-per-view. Dan Aziz versus Charlie Duffield, exactly the same scenario. But then you've got you've got David Price, Dave Allen. Well-matched fights, then they should be good in the eye, no? Regardless of what level they're at. No, they they should be. You're, you're absolutely right. But let's not take the piss here. Yeah, yeah you're yeah. talking about pay-per-view, pay-per-view. But like they're purses I for those. For me, if you've got the story that I am interested in, is you know, f- for the most part other titles. That's what I'm interested in. Okay. Now, those titles are held by, at the moment, they're held by Ruiz. But I, I feel like we're almost like, if you look at it with a storyline, narrative sort of frame, they're held, it's like an inter, a commercial break. Like you've got Joshua and okay, Ruiz yeah. are still fine. For so at the moment, I'm interested in Joshua, Ruiz, Fury, because he's in b- b- historic. Lineal. <laughs> and lineal. And Wilder. Now, I'm only interested. I'm only interested in anyone that I've never heard of coming into the mix if they're fighting for one of those things, or if there are two people you're aware of that are on the way up that for are the fighting. Chance to Dubois fight for Gorman, like that. Yeah, I, I can. I can deal with that. I mean, I, I accept that some people wouldn't necessarily like that, but yeah, I get that. But Dubois Gorman uh, is two young men that don't have to do it right now. For that me, are white fighting. Rivas is a waste of time. Do you know I his first name? Rivas? Interested. Rivas. No, I know. I only knew his name because you know hashtag that the <laughs> that the mayor priest had sent me. Um, but exactly that. I yeah. I, I have no interest. It'd be the same as if Huey Fury. Even though I know Fury here, uh, Huey Fury, and I like him, it'd be the same as he's fighting some bum somewhere. I'm okay, not he's fighting on the Amir Khan undercard when Amir Khan's fighting Billy Dib. A former featherweight world champion who's now washed up out of Australia. Huey Fury is fighting Samuel Peter on that, on the undercard. Samuel Peter's claim to fame as he fought Klitschko like 10 years ago, maybe. Uh-huh. He's 39, 40 years old. It's just such a mental piece of like, where have they dug this <laughs> corpse up from? And they're flying it out to the Middle East. They're going to have to fucking de-ice him on the way over it's insane he's only about four years older than us (laughs) yeah that's true (laughs) that is true actually (laughs) doesn't matter when you look at it for a sports lens everyone in their 30s is old I was chatting I was chatting with an old lad I used to play football with today um uh, my old football club and he's like oh we can go and he's (laughs) he runs the veterans team for the same one he's like you're old enough for that now ain't you yep (laughs) <laughs> yep, I am. No, oh yeah, I am. Yeah, <laughs> not only old enough, I've a cushion to how old oh, enough really? I am. How yeah. old do you be? I think it's thirty-four, maybe thirty-five. Oh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he wasn't even surprised. That's a disappointing thing. Are you, when you turn up then, at sort of our age, are we like the whippersnappers? Are we like the nineteen-year-olds? I've not played. I might go along and play, um, but. Yeah, I've got a broken body anyway. So even if I had 15 years on people... Here's a question. Do they have, like, vet-vet teams? Yeah, you get, They're like, 60-plus teams. And ah. Yeah. 
Because when you start getting to like 55 and you've got 35-year-old blokes turn up, you're like, fuck No, I agree. That's why you have veteran footballers, so you're not playing against 18-year-olds. But yeah, similarly, if you're a 65-year-old, you don't want to be playing against (laughs) 35-year-olds. Say a 36-year-old turn up, oh, I've got a bit of a dodgy knee. You turn up in your mobility skill, like, fuck off. I'm not sure why you're playing football in the first place, but (laughs) irrespective. Um, Okay, so, uh, yeah. White White Revis are genuinely... I don't care. That's terrible, isn't it, really? Like, I'm not even sure I'll watch it. If I'm honest. Uh, and, that, and that says something for me. Because yeah. you will, will... I will watch most boxing. Yeah. I will watch most boxing. I'm not that... Bo- I'm more bothered about the undercard. The Dan Aziz, Charlie Duffield, the Richard React, poor Chris Billum Smith. Even Price Allen. Like, that's going to be a fun fight. But if it goes past four, I'll turn it off. Because they'll both be gassed out their asses. I would like to see. Uh, um, I would like to see Price Allen actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they're three good fights for me that I'm happy with on a Sky Fight Night. React poor Bill and Smith. <sighs> React poor's got that power. That's the difference. I, I've not seen enough of Bill and Smith, um, but from what I understand, he's, he's trained by Shane McGuigan. So Shane McGuigan doesn't fight or doesn't train mugs. He only trains legitimate fighters so I've got to believe that Billum Smith has something about him Reactport does have something about him and even if that's just the power then it's a hell of a tool um, uh, Duffield Dan Aziz <laughs> it's a really good 50-50 fight it's a southern area though it's a southern area on pay-per-view madness um, Duffield for me luckily White and Rivas are carrying it yeah, big time. <laughs> so, uh, how long have we been going now? Far too long, sir. It's just me and you. One hour, 25 minutes. Oh, God, let's fly through some of these. Okay, Prince Patel video. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I can't fly through this. Have you seen it? No. Right, so video emerged. So I'll think... watch it whilst you're talking. I think it was his IBO world title eliminator. Now, Prince Patel's been on this Eastern European tour. He's been like picking up all these fights out in Hungary at Morrison's pub and places like that. And then this video emerges, and I think this is what they were probably fearful of all this time, is that actually people would see what's going on. And he fights this guy with a knockout that is absolutely laughable. Laughable. Have you got it on now? Yeah, I have. Yeah, I'm watching now. Here we go. They look like two children. Oh, my God. That's not it. <laughs> so he's done some absolutely crap um, body shot and then the camera's just tracked him as he goes and stares at himself oh that's ridiculous that is pathetic that is isn't it so I've been to fights in Latvian gyms that have gone down on box rec records he didn't even get, I think he connected with his arm yeah so I'll tell you I've been to a fight Sorry, in, a, yeah. in a Latvian gym um that are legitimate fights. You know, they're on box, right? You could check them out. They were far better than that. And this gym had me and like eight other people in the gym. And that counted as a professional fight. Wow. Um, and they were more legitimate than that. The opponent was probably just like the hardest kid in his Latvian village and was picked out for the afternoon. Um, put up a far, far... Like there were kids leaving those rings with like faces just splattered in blood, broken noses, all sorts. 
Um, but that Prince Patel video is nothing like that. It is a lad who's taken a dive. It looks like that lad's scared. That's what it looks like. Yeah. He's backing away constantly. And I believe that is the IBO world title eliminator. <laughs> I think. Do you know what? For a laugh the other day, I looked on the WBF website. Did you? And I thought, let's have a look at this. Incredible. And, uh, see, they- like the and there's all these fighters, that, and, and to, to some extent... You know when you're talking about like the lads of Southern Era titles and that, and they walk out the ring and they're, like, it's their biggest... It's really hard to hate on the fact that if a WBF, if, it's a big if, and I haven't done any research to back this up, but if they if they are involved in smaller area boxing and the people that are involved in it are having those big moments they otherwise wouldn't like get... Like the FA Vars rather than the FA Cup. Yeah, something along those lines... It's really hard to be dismissive or horrible about them, but it just made me laugh the fact that these the world champions and the names that first of all they all seem to be exclusively English, and then <laughs> it was like, but the the few sort of foreign names you had on there, or I've determined was foreign, they may not have been. Um, yeah, you they, they just seem to I just didn't recognise anyone, and I know that isn't a massive thing, massive news coming from me. But I just, uh, it was one of those, I thought, WBF just was one that I just pulled out of the sky as well. It, it always WBU, makes me laugh. There's WBC. a few of them. The WBU uh, are great for it as well. Is Sometimes you'll just flick through those rankings just for like, you've got 10 minutes free and you've somehow ended up going through this like rabbit warren of boxing. You've ended up on the WBF website. That is how I tried, I tried, there was a, I tried to go to the rankings, but I couldn't find them. I didn't look Yeah, but you find there. the rankings and they're fucking brilliant. They're absolutely brilliant. You'll find, like, um, the champion will be, as you say, someone that you're not really aware of. These people are fighting on Bieber licenses that are... (laughs) Um, (laughs) And you'll find, like, the champion is Dave from the chip shop, right? And he beat Barry from the kebab shop. Like, then rank number one will be Anthony Joshua. (laughs) (laughs) Then number two is, like... Gary from the local car garage is like, he's number two. <laughs> number three is Cindy. <laughs> number four is Deontay Wilder. <laughs> like, honestly, these are fucking, they're mental. Number five will be Amir Khan in all of them. <laughs> all of them. Um, yeah, they're, they're just hilarious. Putting the punch asks, does your choice of promoter limit how far you can go as a boxer unless you change promoter, obviously? Yeah, but- I, th- I think it does. Like, you know, look down and you've got the likes of Steffi Ball, Steve Goodwin, Steve Wood, Dennis Hobson. All these names are quite familiar to listeners, hopefully. They can only take you to a certain level within reason. Now, Hobson's got that history where he took Gavin McDonald to a world title at the Keepmoat Stadium up in Doncaster. Fantastic, brilliant. It cost him a lot of money, I believe. And then he didn't recoup all that. And you feel for him out of that. It's a very rare thing that that happens, um, that they can take them to that level. Steve Wood has boxers that he manages, not promotes, that he's taken on Josh Warrington. Um, Scott Fitzgerald, these kind of fighters have, have achieved some brilliant things. But to promote them, go back to those finances we discussed earlier. You're not going to be promoting British title fights when you were talking about, you know, those small values where we only accounted for, say, eight or nine grand as a headline fight. Now imagine you're trying to bid 30 grand for British heavy, uh, sorry, a British title fight. It's not possible. It's not possible on that budget. 
unless you could like trim out half of the undercard and hope that the the top fight sells out the venue on its own. It's difficult to do. No more fights, folks. Sorry. Um, um, uh, what's his face? Asks. No, that's actually what he calls himself. What's his face? <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, do you think now would be a good time to see a rematch between Sadiq and Chelly? Last fight was great. Uh, last fight was great. Sadiq. No, no, it's not. Uh, well, yeah, it is Sadiq. Uh, it seems to have come on great since. He, first of all, he spelled it as Sadiq, and then the last one he spelled it as Sakid. <laughs> and so it really threw me. So Umar Sadiq, Zach Chelly. Yeah. Um, should we touch? I was down with Umar last night. I worked, uh, helped out in his corner, which is a fantastic experience. So thank you to Umar for, you know, having me there and going through the motions and the oh, experience. Yes. Sorry. And then my apologies to. Mayor of Brixton. I always forget his name. What's his Rob name? Rob Martin. Rob Martin. Sorry, Rob. Um, his second part of his question was, how was your experience in the corner for your first night? Okay, well, we'll cover so both we merged them. We merged those um, two. So, look, it was, it was brilliant. So, I was using my second license for the first time. Um, and so, look, ultimately the job of the second, to some extent, for some corners, will be to get the stool into the ring and out of the ring, uh, wash the gum shoe. Like the, the menial tasks, some people. More than happy to do that. I enjoyed just being around that team. throwing stool into the ring. That's disgusting. Oh, you fucking idiot. <laughs> Such a child. I interrupted you just for that. <laughs> what a dickhead. Yeah, agree. <laughs> agree. Entirely. Don't watch Love Island. I'll finish up here. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Sorry, but on. look, it was brilliant. Like Umar welcomed me into his team, as did his team. So thank you to them. Um, you know, he's got his trainer and his, his kind of cut man, other trainer. Just brilliant people all round. But it was just great to go through that whole motion from like Umar coming to your call through to after the fight. And I wasn't there all the time. I was out and about doing bits. Um, but look, Umar is a consummate professional. Consummate. And that's why he struggled with that first Chelly fight and that his trainer didn't get... He wasn't properly warmed up. He wasn't properly warmed up when he went into that fight. The first two rounds, he wasn't ready because his trainer didn't get there until like 15 minutes before the fight. I saw the steps that Umar goes before a fight last night. I saw them firsthand. He is not a man who can get ready for a fight in 15 minutes when his trainer turns up. Um and so good on him for going away, working with his new training team, who he knows from before. But actually that experience of doing it, um, just amazing, right? You're just hanging around in this changing room for a few hours beforehand because those lads weigh in, then they might go out and get some food and then they come back uh, and they have to plot. You know, like part of my role was just keeping an eye on what fights are going on now. If you're on fight nine, what fight are we on now? How many rounds is that? Is it, you know, I used a bit of local knowledge to know, is that fighter likely to stop that fighter? Is that likely to end early? Is that likely to end early? And so you can start timing because Umar needs to be warmed up. He needs to be physically in the zone and mentally in the zone is equally as important. Um, and I watched him yesterday. All these things. And you're in this changing room. People won't know the York Hall changing rooms. Andy... I'm not kidding you. People can't see this at home, clearly. But how big's this room? Probably about ten foot. Let's say, let's say 
No. What, 12 foot? 12, 12 foot, foot by 12 foot. Something like that. It's roughly the same size as York Hall changing room. Now, there are four home changing rooms at York Hall, each of which last night had three fighters within them. So now think three fighters. In here. In here, plus two corner people each, typically, sometimes three. And they all need to get ready for their own fight. They've all got their fight gear, their big bags. Their coaches have got their... Uh, plus a shower. There's a shower sat in the middle of the room. Um, that does not feel like a changing room. That feels like... It's the most compact feeling. Like, if you... If you had a space you, each, you're basically getting getting ready in a downstairs toilet. Yeah, it, it's that. <laughs> and so... You've, but it's brilliant, like because you've got these fights. You had Nick Parper in there, who's getting ready for his Southern Area title fight. You've got Umar in there. You had Angelo Benavilacqua in there, and there's all their What's people. Name? I know, I know. <laughs> Shout out Tony Pill as well. Benavilacqua. I think so. Yeah, I oh, think that's how you pronounce it. I Crazy it motherfucker. He's brilliant. Um, but you've got all this like this big dick energy going on. Like you know, men that are like full of energy, full of testosterone, full of like not needing to be the biggest ego in the room because what they do is they manage that very well and it's like an unspoken code between boxers. Whoever's fighting next controls the music, um, has the space in the changing room, takes the centre of the changing room and can do the pads with their trainer because again, go back to the space you've got here. You've met Umar. He's a good six foot one, six foot two. Yeah. He boxes out of a very, very wide stance and so he's trying to fit himself and his pad man's got to hold the pads and Umar's getting himself into this, um, like, a full sweat on. You know, T-shirt dripping kind of thing. You've got to fit all of that in there while someone's getting their hands wrapped over there. Someone's chatting to their coach about a game plan over there. There's other coaches knocking about. There's a whip coming in and out saying, right, lads, you're on in, like, five minutes. Um, and there's, like, there's all this energy going on in the changing room. And it's such... So, what... Am I, I'm confused as to when you say, like about who's fighting next. Surely, at some point, one of those fighters will go and f- fight. Yes. And then, they don't come back to the changing room, do they? Yeah. Where else are you going to get changed after the fight? It's the changing room. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and so you come back, and you don't really want to use that shower. It's a shower that is sat, like, not in the middle of the room, in the middle of the wall. Just right. a shower there, right? With clear Perspex glass on it. Right. It's not covered. There's not like a cover around it. Like nobody really is going to be getting showered too much in there. So they just they're trying to cool themselves down a bit, and maybe they'll grab a shower if the opportunity arises. But yeah, they come back there after the fight, and they're there for a good hour. That or room so. is never empty then. No. <laughs> and so the doctors then like you know they've got to do the medical after. So uh, the the doctor will stand them up against the wall, shine a light in, check the pupils are reacting, check them for bumps and swells all that kind of stuff. And then the boxer has to, straight after their fight, it's like 10 minutes afterwards, when they get back to the changing room, they've been checked over. You've still got coaches trying to put ice onto the head and whatever. The doctor's there doing all this to them. And then they've got to sign off their own paperwork to say, yes, I've been checked off. Yes, I'm fine. Yes, I will seek further medical attention if I require it later on down the line. Um, It's absolutely bonkers. But phenomenal experience. Like actually being in the corner, look, I, I was just there. There were people there that knew what they were doing. Did you I learn was, a lot? Did you felt like you learn a lot? Yeah, yeah. Look, I I learned from those people that knew what they would do. Yeah. I I could hear what they were talking about during the fight. The tactics. Umar boxed superbly. Like he was fighting Daryl Sharp, who's like I don't know. He's maybe one 
five, lost 30 or something. He's an archetypal journeyman, but he is hard as fuck. Like, he's been stopped once in his career. Um, and Umar, you know, he he was disappointed with himself afterwards that he didn't... He said he's not comparing himself to other people. And he's like, look, loads of other people haven't stopped him. I'm not loads of other people. I'm Umar Sadiq. I should be stopping him. That's his view, and I, I admire that. Um, because he's holding himself to his own standards that he didn't feel necessarily like he'd met. But he boxed superbly. I heard um, from like sort of very, very close information that Daryl Sharp was like battered after that. And like when I say that, I mean journeymen will always tell others after the fight. They'll talk to like the whip or whatever at a show about fuck that that lad is good or no that lad's got no power or that lad's really slow or I could have done whatever I wanted with that lad on another night. All these Daryl Sharp fed back that Umar Sadiq is a talent, and had he'd had a very very rough night with Umar, um, and look credit to all of his team, and again thank you. Like for me as an experience, I'll do more corners in the future. I'm sure I help out. That's all I want to do is help out people, see what I can do to assist people. Like I'm not doing this because I think <laughs> what are you laughing at. I just I just thought I was just going to mention like I just want to help you out. I could really do if punching someone a few times. You're like, um, <laughs> bam, bam, bam. But you know what? Last night, it was like, I chatted with Umar before, and it's like, whatever you need before fight, just give me a shout. I'll help you out. He's like, black coffee. I'm like, fine. I'll go to the garage. I'll go yeah. and get some black coffees and oh, I'll bring cool. them back. That, if that's my role for the evening, absolutely fine. Yeah. I'm Personally, cool with that. I'd be choosing that role that you just explained over getting in the ring any day. Yeah, and to be around, like, for me as a layperson, to be around all of that is just such a great experience. Yeah, and I can imagine. I'm full yeah. of energy for the sport today and full of, like, enthusiasm because I had such a phenomenal night last night and that's mainly down to just Umar allowing me in and, like, having having the decency to say, yeah, all right, cool. And there are others out there that have said before, come along and do it. So I will, I'll come along and I'll give a shout out to all those boxers on here and we can get their name known and... You know, if I can do a little bit back to help them out and, you know, try and help them raise their profile through whatever means, cool, we'll do that. Uh, Sam O'Reilly. Hello, Sam. Samuel. Uh, Hello, mate. Question for the pod. Thoughts on the Siesta show being cancelled a couple of hours before it was due to start due to scrutiny, uh, SAUK... Sorry. Security. Security, not scrutiny. Showing up. Bad luck or dark forces at play? Eyes looking to the left emoji. <laughs> I love the crypticness. Um, I don't know what dark forces he's talking about. I'm sure, you know, you know Terry is all over this next yeah. week when he's yeah. back because he's, you know. He's already making a note of all the questions he wants to answer. Yeah, yeah. He's got a vested interest in this one because it's his mate Rob that was, you know, Boxing Social. We're going to be streaming this show. Um, Very close, those guys. Very yeah, close. very close, very close. Um, uh, so look, the, were there dark forces? I've literally got no idea. SAUK, a pretty reliable security company. Um, I've not seen, you know, I'm never going to be privy to the contracts between Alciesta's promotional company and SAUK. So I've I've no idea if paperwork got sent back and forth. Or so probably, if it's, just, probably just bad luck then. Yeah, no, I, I don't know. And I'm never going to, uh, never going to suggest that I do. Um yeah, I can't really answer it, I'm afraid. Well, hopefully you can answer this one. 
Rob Cass asks, do you consider Smarties to be a stupendous confectionery? Do you know what this is about? No, I've no idea. Do you not? (laughs) I'm a bit disappointed that he's termed, do you consider Smarties to be a stupendous confectionery when there's multiple Smarties in a tube? I wouldn't have used an A. Do you consider Smarties to be stupendous confectionery as a plural? But anyway, no, I don't know what it's about. This was Chris Eubank Jr. and Senior being on Gogglebox. Oh, right. Okay. And, I, don't um, wa- I have watched it. I don't watch no, it. No, I don't watch it either. Clash with Love Island. Um, <laughs> so they're watching it and Senior says, um, Would you like a sweetie? Uh, what am I doing? That's not an impression, <laughs> is it? That's, that's fucking I dreadful. I love it. That is how I want Chris Eubank to talk from now on. <laughs> so Slightly camp. <laughs> right, we'll go with it. You like a sweetie. Would you like a sweetie, <laughs> young junior? Uh, fuck, what am I doing? And junior says, go on. He's like, yeah, man, I'll have a smarty. Right, uh, right, go on. Where's yeah, that come I love from it, I love well? it. These are like, do you remember, um, do you remember the Keith Lemon, the bloke who, the, when he yeah, used Bo to do Selector. They were, they were not. Mel B. Ooh, my grips. <laughs> Michael Jackson. <laughs> So yeah, go on, yeah, carry on. We're gonna roll with this, yeah. And um, so he's like, "Yeah, man, I'll have a a smarty, man." (laughs) You bad junior, Uh, senior says, "No, they are smarties. They are stupendous confectionery." What? They are stupendous confectionery. Um, so that's where Rob's question comes from. Do I? Yeah. Smarties are the bollocks. Slightly melted Smarties. Yeah. I'd say Smarties as an addition to something like be it cakes or like poured onto that's something. Good, yeah. That like that they're cool because well, added but, cho- added chocolate to anything is generally a good yeah, idea. Yeah, but like Smarties, I'm not saying leave them out in 40 degree heat. But if you leave them at like slightly warm room temperature and they're a bit melted, yeah. they are stupendous confectionery. But let's not go too far down this road because last time we did, we ended up with 48 hours of the best Twitter that I've ever seen. <laughs> when we started discussing TV programs for boxers, um, shout out to some of those that were there. The they were br- that Holmes was- Under the Hammer where Larry Holmes and Christian Hammer <laughs> go along. <laughs> Send your tasty. And the other one that stand there were so many that were brilliant. And I, yeah. I apologise for every one I've forgotten. But between that and Chisora the Explorer. <laughs> 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 but this was 48 hours of like 150 TV names that came through. Brilliant. And I believe, I'm not entirely sure, but I do believe that over a hundred of them have actually been picked up as legitimate TV shows. We'll be on pay-per-view yeah, next pay-per-view, week. £200 an episode. Yeah, but like they were just so good. Uh, just brilliant. There was Cash in the Attic, where Cash Ali just bites people when he <laughs> pops out of the attic. <laughs> but What was the one with... Um, oh, um, and Anthony Crawler, where like, they're... Uh, people have to try and burgle a home and then <laughs> smash someone over the head. They have to smash a box it's an over invincible with with a with a paving slab. But uh, but little do they know that the pavement the was it Colonnation is, Street or yeah, something like that. Right. But the but the boxer is the boxer is quote unquote immune to slab attacks. 
immune to slab attack. Honestly, this is going back a few weeks now, and there were like 48 hours and well over 150 of these. So yeah. I can't remember them all. They were just brilliant and a <laughs> testimony to the fucking intelligence and humor and brilliance of our listenership. Yeah. That it just it captured the imagination yeah my wife for like two days just had to humor me whilst i went <laughs> read this one <laughs> so who's that and who's that don't worry about that it's brilliant now laugh now listen to me about larry holmes and christian hammer <laughs> um, what was the question i'd oh. like to yeah would you consider smartest be a stupendous confectionery i'd like to know how we could turn that into a into a similar no, enough, feature, enough. don't try and don't it. try and replicate. No, I don't had. think we can. Pardon me. Um, right, Sam Khan asks, why are title eliminator fights considered a big deal? Every single fight in a fight to eliminate someone, uh, every single fight is a fight to eliminate someone just to get to fight for a belt. Yeah, I know what she means. Like, if yeah. you're fighting someone, then you're fighting because you want to move up the rankings, so you're eliminating yeah. your opponent. But Look, I mean, at all levels, if we're talking Southern area, English, British, world title, um, you know, the fights for the eliminators is just to work out who sits where. Because, you know, if you want to be in the top 15 for a world title, you have to then fight those eliminators before you get to the final eliminator. In theory, you'd think if you're in that top 15, your eliminator would be against somebody else in that top 15. Then you're fighting for a place in the top five where you'll get your final eliminator. For number- it doesn't really work like that. We know yeah. that. Um, you know, number 14 fights a bloke 165th ranked and moves up to number 5 or something like that yeah exactly and at world level they publish those top 15 at British level English level southern area level central area level northern area level they don't publish those top 15 so no, you're just that's helpful you know you're working in the almost dark almost like they could work by any metric and you'd never know almost um, so you're working in the dark a bit with it but for Let's that reason it, the reason Eliminator is a word that sells. It's it a marketing tool. That's what it boils down to. And now we hit the potential duplicate questions. Well, I say potential. This one is a potential. Uh, this is a duplicate. White versus Revas ticket sales. Apparently only 7,000 sold. So we visited this earlier. Under 3,500, I have been told. Uh, uh, that was from MD72. And we have discussed. Boxing Nut asks... What the hell is Callum Smith playing at? Presumably in reference to his trainer, etc., which we've already asked. I think maybe his career more about the whole Billy Joe Saunders turning that fight down for 50-50 split. I'd imagine if you ask Callum Smith directly, do you want to fight Billy Joe Saunders 50-50, pay-per-view, whatever platform you choose, he'd probably say yeah. I'd imagine. So it was Callum Smith that turned it down? No, I don't think he would personally oh, right. turn it down. I'd Are be we still, is he still in the mix, though? Is it still potential? Depends who his manager is. If it is still Joe Gallagher, then I guess not. If it's going to be someone else, then that might open the door a little bit. Scott McGee asks, shout out to Scott McGee, do uh, know you're uh, you're a big Love Island fan, Martin. (laughs) This made me chuckle. So just wondering what your thoughts are on a boxing prospect going on a TV show seems like a good move. Tommy apparently shown in good light uh, and will come out much bigger? Yeah, I think so. I mean, look, there was the guy last year that I can't even remember his name who was a boxer. Like, uh, stacked black guy. Yeah. I can't, um, remember, his, like, I can't remember his name, though. For the life of it. But he's been on... They failed to capitalise. He was only in there for a few weeks, wasn't he? Or like maybe less that. than a few, a I couple. I think it was about a, we- a week. Yeah. yeah. Um, Idris... Oh, there you go, yeah. 
I was going to say Elba, but it's clearly not Idris Elba. It was Idris Elba, yeah. Yeah, he, um, and then he went on to uh, <laughs> form a career in Hollywood. Yeah, I remember now. This is big break, Love Island. Yeah. Um, but look, they. I think John Pegg's his manager. That, there was a missed oh, opportunity. Oh, no, how bad is that? You put... I put like, I didn't know his name. I put Idris Boxer in. First one that comes up is a picture Virgo. of Idris Elba. Actually, uh, oh, yeah, he did a kickboxing fight. Actually, Idris Virgo, that's the fellow. Uh, but Idris Virgo, yeah. Um, but he's been on a couple of Ultimate Boxer shows. It's not really worked for him. But I think this is different. Tommy Fury's been in from the start. He's been exposed to millions of people. He's finger banged that bird live on TV. Or not live on TV, Has but he? recorded. Did you see it? No. Ah, they're laying in bed like night vision. She's like, oh, 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 oh. Go on, Tommy, lad. Oh, yes. This could- I never want to see that face from you ever again. <laughs> <laughs> Because he's only got one finish on his record. Now it's two. Oh, <laughs> um, So no good luck to him because, you know, I've only watched a couple of minutes worth for the whole series, but he's come across very well from what you say because you watch it all the time. Um, he's, you know, Hopefully he'll come out and he's a bigger ticket seller than he ever was. You know, he's taken a few months out of his boxing career. That's only really one fight, which at this stage doesn't matter. He's still young. What is he, like 20 years old? He's got the most incredible hairline going. He has, isn't he? He's mad. Yeah. It's like he's drawn on. It makes... I, I've got a... You know, I, by no means am I a wealth of hair. I, my hair is reminding me You're every day... You're thinning in various places. Yeah. Not I, necess- again, pot and kettle, because yeah. I'm in the same boat. <laughs> Not necessarily at the front. When I look at him, I'm like... Oh my god! I'm going bald at the front. I, I don't have hair one inch above my eyebrows. Am I a freak? And all the way round, <laughs> yeah, yeah. like it's like someone's got a protractor, and oh, like yeah. it's like not even at the like the corners of the head. Yeah, it's that. mad, yeah. isn't it? But good Weird. luck to him. I think great if he's come across well as well. What I'm really looking forward to is if he gets to that. Is it the last like two weeks where they bring the parents in? Yeah. Fuck me. Peter Fury going on to Love Island yeah. would be the greatest TV I've ever seen because his rough, gravelly voice takes no bullshit, talks no nonsense. He would, like, even people that have never watched Love Island. Yeah, it'd be his mum and his sister or something like that. No, 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 no. I want Peter Fury. Oh, my God. I do as well. All day long. Don't accept anything less. <laughs> um, Scott, I'm a massive Love Island fan myself. I'm on it every night. I'm actually having to hold hold the fort at the moment because Martin's. I have been busy. I've not watched as much as I have. <laughs> he reminded me. It's like, don't lie about it because I chatted to you at the live show last year about. Uh, yeah. Uh, right. Was it only last season you watched? <laughs> <laughs> um, I remember, funny enough, I tell you a short story about Scott. We went uh, went up to watch the Eubank fight. And his mate was with us, and Scott had got him fucking plastered. He with this bloke was absolutely steaming, and uh, my, my the the guy I knew I know Scott through Kev up north, my mate. Is uh, he says Kev, this other lad had said Kev took over the football team. Your mate Kev, ah, oh, he kicked me out of the team. It was like really, and he was struggling, slurring for his words. He said I'd play for that football team for ten years. And he came along and he just went, you're out. Just got away. And then he went, that was the year they won the league, wasn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but... (laughs) Oh, mate. Nice. So, uh, right. George Ross asks, who would win? Billy Joe Saunders or Callum Smith? 
break Cam it Smith down. I'm not going to lie for you, George. We're not going to break it down. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be out of this room in five minutes. So we're not breaking it down. Callum Smith for me, too big, too strong. I don't think he'd stop him, but I think he would just have too many tools for Saunders. But I don't think he... It's not an easy night's work by any means. Okay, Sam O'Reilly asks, is the sport in genuine danger of killing itself with all the political bullshit, i.e. governing bodies selling any morals they may have to have the highest bidders by constantly creating ludicrous titles? We all have a laugh and take the piss when they do but genuinely I don't see where or how it stops no I agree with Sam I don't think it'll kill itself I just think it's going to open the door for the UFC and other combat sports yeah. to have a better chance at capturing the fans um, you know the WBC have come out with their franchise belt they had the pearl belt that Khan was meant to be fighting the guy from India for uh, all this shit like the sport doesn't need it. The franchise champion, Canelo, and then you're looking at making um, Charlo the, the WBC champion. You're just, you're alienating people. And by alienating people, you risk opening their enthusiasm to other sports. And The hard is frustrating. When I was a kid, it was frustrating enough that there was, and I'm talking WWF here, there was the heavyweight champion, there was the incontinental champion, then there was the <laughs> USA champion. That was frustrating enough when it was under one banner. The fact that there's loads of different banners and there's loads of different belts, it's just meaningless. I'd seen going around Twitter um, the clip with Homer Simpson and... Is it Joe Frazier? I can't remember. Where Homer sat at a bar um, and he's just he's looking really forlorn and like gloomy. Oh, that's And right. he, he's going, oh, I've lost. I can't remember what he says, I've lost. I can't remember either. And, um, I've lost something to do with his daughter, isn't it? I can't I've remember. I think it's Joe Frazier walks in. I've he's lost like, the respect of my daughter or something. And then Joe Frazier. No, no, it was, it's a material item. Oh, okay. Um, right. And Joe Frazier walks in. He's like, I know how you feel, Homer. Like in 1975, whatever, I lost the World Heavyweight Championship. And Homer goes, <laughs> World Heavyweight Championship, there's loads of them. <laughs> <laughs> Tad asks, WBC, WBC franchise belt, what's your view on the whole thing? Bullshit. Uh, w- Fuck the WBC. Fuck the WBA. Fuck the WBO and their rankings. We are 100% WBF here. Yeah, I'm getting <laughs> on board with them. Josh Douglas, if Anthony Yard agrees to step aside for Canelo versus Kovalev to go ahead, would you perceive this as a swerve from Warren and Yard's team in no. the hope of securing an easier fight for the title down the line? No, not particularly. I don't have any issue with any fighter taking step aside money. Look, if you're basically, if you're in a position whereby you're mandatory and someone comes along and says to you, I'm going to pay you £500,000 not to go and fight, and yet you're still contractually obliged to fight for that same title, you know, within the next six months or whatever, or the next fight down the line. I have no issue with any fighter in the world saying, yeah, all right, brilliant, send the check. Because you're getting paid not to do your job. Like, how can you hate on someone for that? I'd... Nah, no issue at all. Sam Templeman asks, Thurman or Pac-Man? Uh, Pac-Man juiced off his nut. Mo Hassan asks, do you believe a 50-50 split between BGS and Callum Smith is, Callum Smith is fair? How would you see the fight going? Perfectly fair. Good question. Uh, Jay White asks, who's currently the UK's biggest star in the making? Fowler, Prince Patel, or <laughs> David Price's right hand? <laughs> We're always just one minute away from David Price's right hand making the difference, isn't it? It's, uh, 
What happens? In I, lo- I love the fight that <laughs> I saw something the other day. I'm gonna kind of steal this, but I've no idea who from. Um, so credit to whoever it was. It was like Dave Allen's always been talked about as being one fight away, or like people take the piss saying Dave Allen's one fight away from fighting Anthony Joshua. It's like he is now. It's just it's Joshua that's got to lose, and then it becomes realistic. <laughs> Probably true. What happens in the heavyweight division if AJ loses again? Where does AJ go? <laughs> Dave Allen. Uh, does Fury target Ruiz instead of Wilder? Does Ruiz vacate some belts? Does it create an opening for Joyce, Dubois and Gorman? Certainly shakes things up, doesn't it? It does. Would he vacate the belts? I, t- I don't know. He's a PBC fighter, right? So, so he's in the same camp <clears throat> as Wilder. As Wilder. So you think so it he, makes that bridge yeah. a lot easier to, to cross now and make that undisputed championship. Al Heyman, I'm sure, will be up for doing that. Um, but on the other hand, if you're Ruiz and you're Al Heyman and Tyson Fury says, look, we'll pay you. You don't have to pay anything between yourselves. You don't have to generate any money between yourselves. Instead, we'll pay you, Andy Ruiz, to come on to um, HBO and we'll pay you massive money to fight for those titles. Then you might be tempted to do that. I would be. Is it on HBO, Fury? Yeah. Say Fury. Um, yeah, under the top rank banner. Um, yeah, if I was Andy Ruiz and that offer came in, you might be tempted to do that. Knowing if you're Al Heyman and you're advising slash managing slash promoting, whatever it is, knowing that either way you can't really lose because if Fury beats your man, then you put Fury Wilder on and that makes it massive. But in the meantime, you're taking the cut of not having to pay anything because Ruiz gets paid by HBO and by Top Rank and by Arrow. Do you know what? I feel really conflicted with the whole AJ rematch in that I want... There's a part of me that wants AJ to lose just so we don't go back to what it was before. Yeah. I don't have any malice towards AJ, but the way that he... Whoever it is that's pulling the strings and making the decisions, whoever that person is... The way they're conducting AJ's decision-making on fights makes me want that person to be out of control of those belts. It's what you said earlier, we were chatting about earlier. If you isolate people and alienate people and you don't take the risks and you put those risks off for long enough, people will get annoyed about it. Yeah. And so, I, you know, if, if, Ruiz, if Ruiz were to win and then I could see Ruiz versus Wilder, then... An, or, or Ruiz versus Fury, and then Fury versus Wilder for the undisputed heavyweight champion of the world, I'd think to myself, this is a fight I should have seen 12 months ago yes. between one of the, the <clears throat> Joshua Fury or, or Wilder. If you tell me Ruiz winning, if you had a crystal ball, you said Ruiz winning makes an undisputed fight within six months, Joshua winning makes an undisputed fight possibly within the next two years, yeah. I'm picking Ruiz yeah. all day long. Yeah. Uh, Come on, there's power. I want to go home. Josh Taylor versus Pro Grey. Who wins and how? Also, do you see the winner of it becoming an undisputed winner against Hooker or Ramirez? Uh, Pro Grey, I've picked since that fight was decided. Uh, I just... I think I've seen weaknesses of Taylor in the last few fights when he's gone up to that world level that I haven't seen in Pro Grey. Uh, I think Pro Grey's a better rounded fighter. And the nah, I don't really see it becoming undisputed anytime soon. You said one question per person, I think, at one point, and pulling the punch then said, In that case, can I change my question to Are you enjoying Terry being back on Twitter? 
at uh, Highfield Boxing. <clears throat> anyone wants to get in touch with Terry on Twitter? Do you know what? I'll be perfectly honest. I find Terry's Twitter a bit trolling. And <gasps> dun, dun, dun. Don't get me wrong. Terry's kind of... Uh, the spider was right all along. <laughs> the, the views that Terry has on it, I'm not saying he wouldn't have them in person, because he would, and he'd say the same things in person. But just reading it constantly, I find it a bit trolling and a little bit... I, I don't know, he's... I'm going to have to text him, but he's going on mute soon on Twitter. <laughs> How long are you off the podcast for? <laughs> We're looking forward to the rematch. <laughs> Martin versus Terry. Uh, no, look, I love Terry to bits as a man, as a human, all those things. But I do find his Twitter account too trolling at times. I think someone must, someone must have got hold of it, hacked it. Because we've seen that happen before. That's true. That is true. Um, we've only got Terry's questions left. Oh, I want to go home. And he sent about 40. Yeah, yeah, but some of them are like this. Now that we've established Dennis Hobson as the number one small hall promoter, <laughs> and Steve Wood at number two, I mean, who to, is third? To be number one, you'd have to sell a venue. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> Look, as I said, I'm not going to hate on Dennis Hobson. I'm not going to hate on any small hall promoter. I'm sure Terry will be here next week firing shots all over the place specifically at Steve I don't understand the dislike and the hatred because if you look through those cards <laughs> I'm not going to go into okay. it all you got to do is look through them who's I think this one is possibly I'm going to I'm Terry you, I'm, I'm going to ask two of your questions well not really I'm asking one of them you've been relegated to one per question per person which I think is generally consistent among the podcast what happened to Linus Eudofia? A year ago, he was on the cusp of a massive push. Since then, the guys from Alton Box have stolen a march on him. Where should go next? Look, again, look, I love Terry. I need to caveat this. with I love Terry as a man, as a human, as a person. But it's this weird obsession with Steve and Steve's fighters that I don't understand. Like, Maybe the reason he won't sit down with Steve and do this is they're either going to fight or make love, and I'm not sure where it's going. <laughs> like, It's such a weird dynamic, but... I need to get that out of Terry, what it is. As for Linus, the the fighters from the Ultimate Box have stolen the march on him. Have they? No. Derek Asazi, I think it was, that won the Ultimate Boxer at that weight. Has he stolen the march on him? No. He's not doing anything that Linus isn't doing. Um, It's an opportunity to take the cheap shot of Steve. I get that. Um, I saw Linus last night. He's meant to be fighting for the English title. I believe there was the opportunity possibly that it could have gone on a matchroom card very soon. Um, but it's just too short and there wasn't enough time for Linus to get into camp, get the weight sorted and get... I feel politics have stifled him a little bit, haven't they? So it's unfortunate. There's a whole um, series of issues that have come with it. So he signed up to Haymaker as a promoter and then Haymaker started to lose all of their star talent. So Joe Joyce, who it was all pinned around, left... And Cash Asfak went away and all these things that meant that ultimately um, Haymaker didn't put any shows on anymore. And so Linus, where he was moving towards that platform as a TV fighter, that platform disappeared. Right. And so you have to then rethink again. You know, it's not starting again, but you have to rethink the strategy a little bit. So he goes back onto Steve's shows. And then he went on to Matchroom and fought on... Uh, matchroom show and he he didn't perform as well as he should have in my view and I've told Linus that personally um, so look he's still mandatory to fight for the English title that's where he is that's what's happening 
that's no further behind Asazi, who won the Ultimate Boxer. Look at what happened to all the other Ultimate Boxer winners. Absolutely nothing. So I hope Asazi does brilliantly in his career. I, to even make the comparison between him and Linus, just let the two of them fight. Cool. Find out who's the better of them. But start making this comparison of Ultimate Boxer fighters are doing better than Linus. It's total bonkers because nobody who's won Ultimate Boxer has got a push out of it ever. Um, so to suddenly assume that they are and to make that comparison yeah. against one of Steve's fighters is again just like it's almost what well, uh, I, I think when you say when you talk about things like that what is the oh, I, I suppose if I thought about it before maybe I'd have come to the same conclusion but a, like a dawning realisation for me now is that not only are you one fight away from your career ending as a boxer as any boxer is you know if the, if the things turn for the worst when certainly when you're at the lower levels you're one performance away from being kneecapped, aren't you? You could turn up, have a crap performance on a certain card, and people just go, no, you're, I'm pushing you to the side. I've got other guys that want to come through. That Absolutely. Are gonna- so Nick Parper last night, shout out to Nick Parper, won the Southern Area Cruiserweight title against Daniel Mendes. Uh, a lot of people had it 10 rounds to nil against the champion. Nick Parper, early in his career, was wiped out against a journeyman wiped out. And I'm talking, these are big cruiserweights that can punch. This foreign journeyman bounces off the rope and just bang, times the perfect shot. Nick was asleep by the time he'd hit the floor. Like oxygen mask on, paramedics rush the ring. And that set Nick back X period of time because Nick was on a good run till then. He was knocking people out for fun. Are we talking years it set him back then? At least one. Okay. Maybe longer. Mm. Um, but he had to go back and regroup. And other people that he was on the same level as moved ahead of him and started getting those same title shots that he's probably sat there thinking, I deserve them, but I switched off for one second in a fight, ended up asleep on the canvas. I'm sure, and I've never spoken to him, I'm seeing him Tuesday anyway, um, but I'm sure mentally that's a hard thing to come back from because you're suddenly, you're going from knocking everyone out for fun to suddenly you're a human being who's susceptible to getting hit on the chin and sleeping on the canvas in front of all of your friends, all of your family. Yeah. And it sets you back in the the competition. It sets you back mentally. It sets you back physically, as in there were changes of setup and camp after that. And around that period, he went through a few changes. Last night, he came and he fucking best performance I've ever seen of Nick's career. And he went home with that Southern Area title in front of probably 200 elated friends and family being carried around the ring on someone's shoulders. As chuffed as he could be in the dressing room afterwards was just bouncing off the walls. His nan and his granddad were in there, both of whom needed crutches to get to the back, (laughs) needed the help of Andy Brown, the security guard, to get into the changing room to meet Nick when he got there, carrying his southern area title into that ring, uh, into that room. And just that moment, I thought, brilliant. Like, absolutely brilliant. And... Yeah, he could have been kneecapped, as you said earlier, by that one loss. Some fighters would never have fought again after the way he was knocked out. Some fighters, their family, their friends would have told them, don't ever do it. Nick has gone away and he's gone through some hard changes. He's gone through Don Charles as a trainer. Don Charles came to congratulate him in that dressing room last night. He's trained now by Josh Burnham, who's done a fantastic job, changed his style, changed the way that he boxes. All these things, like, it's just a lesson. Look, you can have setbacks and still mm. reach. And I'm not saying that's the goal for Nick. Nick's goal might be the English. It might be the British. It might be the world. I don't know. Yeah. But you can still achieve something. I've always said Southern yeah. Area title legitimizes you to a level as being a boxer. 
Like, if you can win that title, it legitimizes you in some way. Nick's done that now. And two, two and a half years ago, that didn't look all that likely. So it was just, it was a real good moment for Nick and for all those people there supporting him. And just a shout out to him. But that, he could have been one of those kneecap boxers you talk about. Well, that seems like a nice positive note to end the podcast on, so you can go home and I can get you get into editing this. Watching um, Love Island. And it's not far off. I need to eat before Love Island as well. <sighs> yeah, man. Because it's warming in. Yeah. Anyway, thank you very much for thank listening. Thank you very much. Bring the love. I look forward to listening to Terry and next week, who I'm sure he's going to abuse me non-stop throughout. But well, I'll you give have him got a, a few digs in, to be fair. I'll give him a... Well, that's because I've been called a fat fuck all the time that he's... Uh, <laughs> Pot and kettle. <laughs> when he so, says, I'm like, wow, Terry. What I look forward to most is giving him a cuddle in a couple of weeks' time when I see him. And uh, it's all love. It's all I'm love all to back. everyone. Like, I'm, in a, I'm in a good place with the boxing stuff. Like Everyone just be happy. You're passing ships in the night, you two, at the moment. I know. It's weird. It's weird. Um, thank you very much for listening. Much if love. you have any questions at any point, send them in on but Twitter. not on a Monday or a Tuesday. Yeah, I mean, that's struggling. But certainly <laughs> as long not as you on do Facebook it on a Sunday. And shit like that, because it's not good. But yeah. Tr- anyway, that's enough said. See you later. Bye.